And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek, the Where Do We Stand Now episode. John Bonus of TwinsDaily.com with me, Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. We're both sitting. We are both sitting. Neither of us are standing. We saw we're not standing now. We are, we are literally sitting in the conference room. I really spend the majority of my life trying not to stand, <laughs> which is why... The beat writing job is so difficult for me because so much. I would say a lot of standing around. Thirty five percent of that job is just standing around. Yeah, like literally just standing. Yeah, doing waiting for things that may or may not ever happen. So when you go to the winter meetings in uh, four or five weeks, similar. Yeah, yeah oh, God. or is that a lot of sitting? Around? A lot of walking too, which is my least, fa- truly my least favorite thing, <laughs> other than running. Certainly, <laughs> kind There's of your no CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> walking. Piece. Yeah, I'm staying. I just booked the hotel. It's in uh, it's in Nashville at the Opryland. There's which a I, chance I'm going to be joining you. We'll see. We can share a Uber. The the uh, eight block. I'm I'm the exact Ubering eight block. Well, this is what I was going to say. <laughs> I had this discussion with Betsy at in uh, Houston. We are at the same hotel, Betsy Helfand, former guest, former and future guest. Um, <laughs> yes. I always say that because when I realize when I say like former guest, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we parted ways with them. <laughs> They're done. Uh, but uh, my ideal. That's not how we wanted to break it to Betsy, but sorry. Yeah, sorry. You're out. You're out. <laughs> Bobby's in. Bobby. Oh, well, yeah. They're actually, we uh, we just had people who aren't Patreon subscribers. We just had Bobby Nightingale, the Star Tribune's newest uh, beat writer, who joined the beat in June. Yes. On the show for, as a first time guest. Yep. So, yeah, we one in, one out. Lots we got of, a new lots guest. Of good conversations. Learned a little bit about him. Got his view on the twins uh, post or off season and what they might be doing. And we had a pretty long discussion about the difference between the twins organization and and twins culture and twins social media culture versus Cincinnati versus Cincinnati, where he spent what five six years yeah. last there. He's also uh, covered the Detroit Tigers, so that's one of the advantages of bringing in somebody new to the Star Tribune like that in a position like that is you've got somebody who's yeah. seen other major league organizations. And I thought it was an interesting conversation for those people who you know don't pay attention to other teams as much. Yeah. As to what is Plus, I, I've tried to encourage the uh, the beat writers. There's like, what, six of them or something like that, who I see every day during the season, and I like. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Except Doe. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a he's villain at this point. I don't know why. He's, I don't know. I'll go along with whatever you say. But I've been trying to encourage them. Like, I think it's fun to watch them, like, get reactions from people from stuff they say on the show because we're so used to it. Right. I know this is going to sound like a humble brag or whatever, but like when someone comes up and says like, "Hey, you guys, whatever, you like Chinese right. food or whatever." It's like, "Yeah, I know where that's coming from because we <laughs> I talk about that endlessly." Right. It's like, "Gleeman, I'm, I'm surprised to see you standing. You just hated how said how much you hate standing." Well, I'm like, "Yeah, we said that on the podcast." <laughs> but then people come up to Betsy and they're like, "Hey, Betsy, how was it doing that?" And she's like, "How do they know that?" How do they? And it's like, "Oh, <laughs> you yeah, think, you think Bobby will come up to say, "Hey, fellow Jaguar." Yeah. So well, I already saw on Twitter people were like, "Hey, you were in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. I'm from Lawrence, Kansas." Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, welcome to I our weird people Patreon comments. On, I'm also a Jefferson grad. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like that. But yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, my least, the worst distance, the best distance on road trips, not that I go on a lot, but now I've gone to uh-huh. Houston, I'm about to go to Nashville, is uh, staying in the hotel where the thing is happening. <laughs> For me. Right, yes. That's right. the best. Sure. Right. The second best instance, you might say, well, the second best distance is, you know, six or eight blocks away. 
Because if you're a normal human with functioning legs and right. you, you know, sure. your weight starts with a two or a one, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but that's the worst distance for me. The best distance for me is like a mile and a half. Sure. Because then I don't feel as guilty taking well, an Uber. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and I can exactly. maybe talk other people in my hotel into taking an Uber. <laughs> right. But what you just, your reaction when I said, hey, we can take the Uber eight box. And you said, I'm not taking an Uber eight box. The morning, whatever yes. in Houston, Betsy was at the same hotel. Or I was at Betsy's hotel and I'm like, I'm going to take an Uber. And she's like. Isn't it like seven blocks? And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't care. And she's like, oh, whoa, okay. And I was like, here's the catch 22. I need you to come with me because I have no idea where I'm going once I get to the ballpark. Well, that's true, too. And yes. I'm like, I'll pay for your Uber. And she's like, well, it's not really a money thing. It's like a pride of not taking a seven block Uber. Anyway, uh, that's a long way of saying, I'll, yeah, I'll be in Nashville. The winter meetings, they're like, it's the first week of December. So the, they'll have the Rule 5 draft, which we're going to talk about a little we'll bit. We'll be doing on. some special Patreon episodes likely for winter probably yeah from that we'll also be uh, at the end of this putting a little clip from the bobby nightingale uh, yes interview, probably so we picked the most incriminating things he said <laughs> no uh so world series is about to start your uh your wife's beloved phillies did not make it yeah we are you know in a situation where there is 40 eh, something percent chance probably that the arizona diamondbacks are going to be the champions of major league baseball <sighs> which is fascinating to yes. me yes and the the funny thing that happens every – we've joked about this in the past, but every October is whatever the successful team or teams, you know, the, the teams that make the World Series or even sometimes just make it to that LCS, people want takeaways from that, right. lessons yes, to learn right. from that. Yes. And when the Royals were winning yes. 10 years ago, it was you got to have a great bullpen. And put the ball in play. Right, put the ball in play. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, well, actually, no. Then, you know, sometimes it's – Rarely, almost every year, like this year, teams that out homer their opponents right. are twenty one yes. and three. Yes. But no one ever takes that lesson away. No, because <laughs> yeah. no one yeah. likes that lesson, no. which is hit the ball over the fence. You win a lot of games because right. people hate that lesson. Some it, the opposite. If the opposite ever happened, right, that would be the lesson to take away. By the way, the opposite will never happen because hitting home <laughs> runs is good. Um, but I feel like the Phillies last year, and sort of again this year because they did make the LCS, was star power. You right, know, yes, spend yeah. on big superstars. Those yeah. are the guys that come up big in October. And then Those in the offseason, the they added Trey Turner. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And yes. they made it back to the LCS. Right. And I, I do think the the lesson from Texas's standpoint is similar to that. Yeah, and that Texas true. was terrible for you're right. You know, five years basically, or three years, and they bought Corey Seager and they bought Marcus Simeon. They also bought Degrom, which turned out poorly, and some other guys that turned out poorly. They got Scherzer at the deadline, which cost them a ton of money. It hasn't all worked out, but you know, Seeger is an example right. of yes. that's a guy you can't just grow home homegrown. Right. That's right. Like that's a guy you had to give three hundred million dollars to, and yes. now you have one of the best players in the world. Right. Uh, so I'm sure that will be a lesson to be taken away. I don't really know what the lesson to take away from the Diamondbacks is, except it leads it bleeds into the lesson that I try to always uh, take away from every playoff, which is that there is no lesson to take away. From. <laughs> there is no there is no master plan, <laughs> right? You uh, you find something you're good at and you be really good at it. Yes, at that, for, and for that I will even session. strip it down further <laughs> right. than that, which is get into the playoffs and get hot for three right. weeks, yeah. and that's the plan. And you can't script that necessarily. Obviously, the better you the the better team you build, and I would say specifically within that, the more frontline talent you have, because sure. depth becomes kind of a shrinking asset in the playoffs. 
the better off you are. And and we saw that from the Twins even, you right. know, from a pitching standpoint. It doesn't matter who your fifth starter is. It matters who your first, second, and maybe third starter is. Right. And we're seeing that. But this thing where people are like, you got to build your team for October, there's no such thing. And you see it every year. There isn't a person in the world who predicted an Arizona Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers yes, World Series. Right. These teams – it's not like they went in hot even, which hasn't been proven to be anything, yep. you know, correlation wise. And so I know it's yeah, deeply I, 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 unsatisfying. I, I honestly think when, when I saw the World Series odds at the beginning of the postseason, mm-hmm. I think there were only a couple of teams that had worse odds than the Twins. Yeah, and it might have been both. And, these. I, and I think it was the di- yeah, I think both of these might have been there, right? And I think the Diamondbacks were literally the worst odds. Oh, I'm sure. Those, right? I mean, yeah, th- right. think of who they had to go through. They had to go through Dodgers and right Braves? No, Dodgers and Phillies. Dodgers and Phillies, yeah. No, right. Dodgers and then whatever. Some, who cares? Who, uh, who did they win the first series versus? That was the question. Oh, Dodgers yeah. were in the second series. <clears throat> right. Brewers. Oh, yeah, right. right. That's right, yeah. Central. It was the same as the twin setup. But, yeah, so, you know, yes, you can always say, oh, it helps to – have speed, or it helps sure. to have good defense, or it helps to have a good bullpen, it or it helps it, to and have... all those things do in fact. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but we're it's such a warped way of viewing things where we have to say, yeah, of, of course that helps. Right. That, yes. It's like it's like saying here in the NBA, right. it helps to have good shooters. Yeah. yeah. But you can win without good shooters if you have great defense. You can mm-hmm. win without great defense if you have great offense. Like, and so really... but and, and I would even take that your point a step further on that, which would be like... It also you can say, oh well, okay. What you need then is a well balanced t- team. You need a lot of tools in your, yeah, maybe, yeah, or you can just like the snot out of the ball right. sometimes, yes. you know, and have a couple of really hot pitchers. Yeah, I mean that is <laughs> right. I mean that happens too. It's, you, know, it's you can be a lopsided team as well and of still course. win, right? Right. And I know that's deeply unsatisfying for people, <laughs> right? And it seems especially unsatisfying to what I would call like old schoolers. Who don't want to hear that home runs drive winning more than anything right, in October? Yes, they right. want to hear that you know great base stealing and all that. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. but you know that's not why these teams are in the World Series. Right. It's helped them maybe, and so yeah, it, it, as it applies to like the Twins and Twins fandom and all that. I mean, I think we saw it this off season. Could you make the argument that this team? was better equipped to win in October than past Twins teams? Yeah, except that's a retroactive argument. Right. Of course you're going to think that after they actually win it. Yeah. And it was it's just they got in, which by the way, that's why no I'm not someone who dismisses winning the Central as valueless. Mm-hmm. Oh, you punched your ticket to the tournament. That's all you need to that's the number right. one thing. Yeah. I can tell you the surefire way to not win a World Series is to not make the playoffs. <laughs> There's my California math on that. And so watching this play out I'm not someone who's going to denigrate the matchup. I'm not someone. I'm fascinated by how many people seem to care about television ratings. Right. Yeah. Who? Ca- how does that affect my life in any way? <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yes, I'm going to watch it. I bet you they're good games. Yeah. They right. played good games so far yeah. these last couple series. Uh, unless you think baseball is in danger of uh, folding as a sport, <laughs> right? Why would it possibly matter what the television ratings are? Like slightly fewer people are going to watch this. Who cares? Um, but I also am not going to sit at the end of it and say, well, this proves, you know, that the Arizona Diamondbacks or even the Texas Rangers, who are, you know, I would say a more fitting champion, but not that fitting right. of a champion. Well, this proves that they were actually the best team. No, they weren't. It just proves that the playoffs are much different than the regular season. It doesn't mean one is any better than the other. 
I mean, I would say the one that takes six months <laughs> gets a little more weight generally than the one that takes a month, except in reality, that's not how it works because right. yeah. people right. remember the champion. So I don't know. To watch like all the narrative sort of clash and the the search for meaning in everything yeah. uh, in sports is always fascinating to me. And there has to be – no one is willing – very few people, especially like in media, are just willing to say stuff as happens – Right. And we yeah. don't have to explain it retroactively. We don't have to say everyone has to try to build a team like this Diamondbacks team or this Rangers team. I'm to me, I'm perfectly satisfied by saying these were one of the twelve teams that made a twelve team tournament, and they played a little bit better than most of the other teams during this last you know three four weeks. And now here they are at the end. Like it, it's it's strange to me the the need to find more than that. And I think that's actually. Good news for the Twins, because the odds of the Twins... Being a 110-win team. Right, being some powerhouse <laughs> right, number one seed, get the first round by. If the Twins are going to make a World Series here in the next five to ten years, let's say, it's m- much more likely to come via the Rangers-Diamondbacks route, which is... They got in. Yeah. Nobody thought they were going to do anything, and they just made a little run. They got halfway there, you know, a third of the way there now. Sure, right. That yep. Maybe next year they get halfway there. Maybe they just keep going because that's the thing. You look or at maybe the they diamond, start another zero for twenty. Or, yeah, who knows? I mean, that's it works both ways. Absolutely. So yeah, that was my that's my big takeaway from the from the World Series. I know that people are like, well, it'd be so much better if this was you know Dodgers Yankees. So much better for whom? Yeah. <laughs> Rob Manfred and right. fans of those two teams like I, I don't to right. me you either want parity or you don't and most leagues talk about wanting parity I know the NFL always talks about that and MLB despite being the most uh, like lopsided in terms of resources and revenue and payrolls because they don't have a salary cap like the other leagues right. they're the unpredictable nature of baseball itself yep. c- causes, like, not only cancels out the revenue and payroll disparities, but then even further, like, it cancels that out and then some. So that if you look at the last, I don't know, 20 champions in Major League Baseball or even the last, you know, you do get teams like the, the Astros or the Dodgers sure. who are there all the time. But even those teams only win a couple of World Series right. over 20 years. Yeah. I know the Reds. I guess the Red Sox probably have three over the last twenty years. Whereas in football, Astros, have, Astros who've been the dominant team. We mentioned they've been right. to the ALCS seven years in a row. Have won two championships. Right, and I'm look, that's <laughs> right. amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Right? The parity is kind of built into the nature of baseball, where and you, nature of the postseason yeah, in particular for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, okay. Uh, twins wise, there isn't a whole lot going on. This is definitely like kind of the dead zone for non-playoff teams or yeah. you know the other 28 teams at this point. They've had a little bit of 40-man roster house cleaning, which we can touch on in a second. The two bits of somewhat uh, notable news, I guess. One, Alex Kirilov had the shoulder surgery that we talked about last week. Uh, it was good news really? in the sense yeah. that they basically we're going to open them up and look and they thought there might be a partially torn labrum that they had to right. deal with turns out not a torn labrum no. or at least nothing beyond you know the normal fraying or whatever that you see um they took out a bur- the bursa sac that was yes. they think causing a lot of the inflammation that's a pretty so minor it's good that's a pretty, that's an arthroscopic surgery yes it was right? i don't want to say best case scenario but it was far 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 from the worst case scenario for him 
it sounds like he should have a normal, relatively normal, like once the you know January rolls around, right. couple months to get ready, basically yep. for spring training, can have a normal spring training. Now we'll revisit that because we've heard that before with players, sure. and then they show yep. up to spring training yep. and they're not ready. But good news on that front because uh, even a partially torn labrum is going to be months of of rehab and recovery for him. Right. Um, the other bit of news was we talked about the, uh, actually with Bobby on the Patreon a few days ago, but uh, Thad Levine. Out of the running for the Red Sox job, he went through the first round of the interview process. Sounds like he wasn't going to be part of the second round of the interview process. I don't know that they've made it official yet, but Craig Breslow is going to be the the guy to yes. get the job. No, I think they. Yeah, I don't know if they made it officially yeah, either, but, but yeah, but it's, it's been what's announced. Happening. Right, yeah. uh, Twins fans may remember Craig Breslow. He was a left-handed reliever during the Guardy era, kind of yeah. middle of the Garden Hire era. Um, the talking point on him always was too damn smart. Too, yeah, well, from Guardy, yeah. Uh, I heard some great. Sto- I heard some great stories. There was a ex Garden Hire player in town, um, and I asked him. I was just chatting with about that era. Uh, I heard some great stories about Kevin Slowey and Garden Hire on that front. Uh, but anyway, Craig Breslow. The talking point was always he's the smartest man in baseball. Right. You know, he's the smartest yeah. player in baseball, uh, and he's Brown, like Brown University. Yeah, one of the Ivies. Who so. knows? Um, you know, it's no Carlton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or uh, my, my alma mater. <laughs> Is it even an alma mater if you don't graduate? Yes, it's, you're still an alumni because they'll still hit you up for money. Yeah, well, that is yeah. They do ask me for money. I always have the same response when the University they, of Minnesota asks me for money. At Carlton, at freshman convocation, they that the first week they tell you you are now officially an alum of college of right. Carlton College. You can't and get what away. they really mean is. We're now officially going to start yeah. asking you for money. <laughs> they haven't been asked. Well, I'm like, I don't, I'm not any lists or anything, but like when they used to, University of Minnesota Journalism School or whatever, used to, uh, CLA, Liberal Arts College, used to say, like, we want some money. I would always have the same response. I'm willing to pay would, for a degree. Like a degree. <laughs> yeah. That's, I only need like 14 credits. So, you know, you've given worse to other people and they never, <laughs> Never, never no. came through. I mean, I'm willing to give like hundreds for a degree because <laughs> at this point, who, who cares? Uh, so Thad Levine's out of the running for that. Now, I don't know. I'm assuming that means he just stays in the same role with the Twins and it's just kind of business as usual. I don't know that to be true. It's possible that he's looks around for other jobs. I haven't heard anything on that either way. But uh, so that was that. And then the 40-man roster house cleaning that I said, uh, is, I would call this the first round, basically. There's going to be more. I mean, there's going to be some natural... Uh, pruning of the 40-man roster yes. from free agents. We've already started to see it a right. little bit. Uh, Tager, right? Uh, yeah, well, he was a waiver claim. But, I mean, I just mean like Sonny Gray, Kent Maeda, Emilio right, yes, Pagan. Yes, those guys yes, just right. come oh, off those the 40-man gotcha, gotcha. five days right. after the, the free World agents Series, do, right? Yes. Uh, but, yeah, the Oliver Ortega was DFA'd or waived and claimed off waivers by the Astros. Uh, he was originally a waiver claim in January from the Angels, and he pitched I don't know, 15 innings or something for the Twins, was on the aisle at the end of the year. Uh, Jordan Luplo cut loose, passed through waivers unclaimed. Andrew Stevenson, same thing. And then Jose De Leon, who's recovering from Tommy John right. uh, surgery. I think he's going to be out for most of this upcoming season. He was dropped and passed through waivers unclaimed. All three of those guys chose free agency, which is just sort of a paperwork aspect. The Twins could attempt to resign any, all of yeah. them. Yep. They're just minor league deals, uh, but no surprises there. I would expect, you know, at least the two, three more drops like that. Um, 
and then the trickier decisions are what we're actually going to spend the majority of the show talking about, which is the arbitration guys, the free agents. Yeah, the, the theme of the show is going to be uh, payroll and what the Twins can do, how much room yeah. they've got to spend on free agency, but also just what is the state of each of the players in the organization? Right. Are they eligible for arbitration? Do they have to make a decision? Uh, do they have team options? Do they have player options? Yeah, What's I mean, there's, there's a kind of forced pruning of the 40-man roster that comes with each of those things. So we kind of kind of go step by step through that. I don't know. It's like an off-season primer a little bit. That's right. Primer. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be primer. Is it really? Yeah. Because there used to be a website called Baseball Primer. P-R-I-M-E-R. I remember Baseball Primer well. well. That's, when I, that's where I got my start. Yeah. Like, truly. Dan Zimborski that was, uh, was my editor. Was that Baseball Think Factory to before that? No. You reversed it. It, oh, became it was Baseball Think Baseball Factory. Baseball became Baseball yeah. Think Factory. Yeah. I, and loved, I remember I loved that, the forum. For years. That yeah. I wrote there, and I was on the forum there, and then somebody said to me, oh, you, you say it wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Baseball primer. No, it's it's primer. It's a primer. It's the British pronunciation. Huh. And I was like, well, I'm not British, so what do I care? <laughs> anyway. Um, Before we dive into that stuff, let's cover a couple of our quick sponsors here. That's going to be the meat of our show. Uh, speaking of meat. <laughs> Chrissy told John she likes my sound effect on this sponsor, <laughs> which is chomps. <laughs> yes. Which is the sound I make uh, when I am... Uh, Hungry in the late afternoon, oh. and I'm looking for like a low calorie. I was worried where you're going there. <laughs> Chrissy likes that because it's the sound I make. Ooh, don't finish that sentence, John. Yeah, when you need a uh, low cal, easy snack oh. that actually tastes good and can I fill tell, you up. I a mean, it's one bit. of those things where it's like I am tempted to just dive into the potato chips when I've got some dip in the fridge, yeah, or I'm tempted is, to make myself like a breakfast be sandwich. I just grab one of these chops out of the uh, out of the pantry. Easy, easy to bring along if you put them in a kid's lunch or something like that. Over nine grams of protein per oh. stick. Uh, Lots of different Zero flavors. sugar, low carb, allergy friendly, no fillers. Chomps are made with natural ingredients you can feel good about. Uh, they got nine different flavors they sent us, like a, uh, a variety pack yeah. to try. And I yeah, you can either get one of them. the nine different flavors they've got, or they have a variety pack yeah. that you can just order and try all of them. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, I think it feels like a little bit of a... A daily life hack <laughs> to just have yeah. this thing that doesn't doesn't throw you off of your game. So if you want to try uh, Chomps meat sticks, that's right. Uh, How do you spell it? C H O M P S. I was for, there. You go. <laughs> uh, they're offering Gleaming the Geek listeners twenty percent off your first order, and you get free shipping. You just go to chomps.com slash gleaming. That's chomps.com slash gleaming for twenty percent off your first order and free shipping. That's C H O M P S dot com slash gleaming. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Right. That's um, right. All right, chomps. Also, we love. Uh, I'm uh, enjoying watching the uh, baseball playoffs and the football things, and the new starting up of hockey and basketball with the odds are application. O d d s r dot com application. It's a. It's not a gambling application. It's just no. It's, it's meant just to coaches. help you. Yeah, that's right. It's AI logic. Uh, used it to yeah. help you determine give which you some research material right. give you some stuff to analyze just give you some maybe different numbers to look at yeah it can point you in the direction of what they would recommend as plays that is correct um you know they pick a couple each day that are like here are our strongly recommended ones they yeah. also give you the info on the non-strongly yeah recommended i mean they're also ones where they'll just give you so well, yeah we would lean this way but the truth is that we wouldn't bet on it one way or the other it's similar yeah. to our over-unders where we have sort of like gun at your head thing i noticed for uh, last night's timberwolves game they were leaning towards the raptors 
on, yeah. <laughs> on okay. those particular games. <laughs> they they didn't say to bet on the Raptors, but uh, it's uh, smart betting made simple. It's just an app you you can get on your phone. Super easy to to set up on the App Store or Google Play, whatever it is. You can get uh, a special link to use to get straight to the download. And here's the best part. Just for Gleaming the Geek listeners, you download the app at oddsr.com. That's O-D-D-S-R.com slash Gleeman. And you get 30 days free on it. So you get to kind of test it out for yourself absolutely free. Again, you go to oddsr, O-D-D-S-R.com slash Gleeman, and you'll get 30 days free when you download that app. Okay. Uh, so just to kind of clean slate it the twins spent like a, a shade under 160 million this year on the payroll and i think it was like 158 or something like that but that is the highest in twins history by a decent margin yeah however it's also 17th it was 17th out of 30 in mlb which is you know exactly average basically this year's payroll was 17th. Their payrolls the last five years were 17th, 16th, 17th, 17th, 18th. Right. Yeah. We know the level that they're sort of comfortable <laughs> being at under sure. Derek Falvey. Right. And we've talked about this a lot before. I personally – look, any, any, te- any fan of any team in any sport – even salary cap sports is like they could spend more. They could you can always spend right. more, and especially in baseball. Yes, there's limitless spending. If right. the poll yes. ads wanted to have a six hundred million dollar payroll every they year, want they want to be could. a top five payroll. They, they want to be a, the number one payroll. You they could spend a billion dollars a year. They whatever, have to get it is. up to three hundred fifty million dollars or something. But they could yeah. do it if you're being <laughs> realistic, which we try to do. Because look, if we say let's pretend the Twins are going to spend three hundred million on payroll and let's preview the offseason. Well, what good does that do anyone? They're not going to do that. Right. You know, we have a pretty good sense of where the Twins are comfortable spending given their market size, given their revenue, given, you know, the contracts they have. And it's basically average out of thirty. And we should also just say, like, for the most part, I mean, you'll get the occasional renegade owner that will, you know, Steve Cohen or something. Right? Even those are usually short term because right. it doesn't well, that, that's what go I'm well. You'll get the occasional renegade owner that might you know, put all his chips under the table for, you know, a two or three yeah. year period. San Diego like that. just did that. That's exactly it didn't right. go well and now they're no. about to trade away. The Mets are doing it right now yeah. and that's not going well. Right. But in general, what you'll find out of those thirty teams is this is about where they line up. Like the Twins are not not an outlier in terms of how they are spending money given sort of their market size. Right. I I mean I would say for years. Look, we you'll get were, outliers on both sides. Actually, you'll get somebody who's overspending, and then oh, you'll get like sure. the A's, yeah, right? You know, Cleveland, right? Yeah. Uh, right. For years, we we kind of bang the the drum of they need to spend more, and we haven't done that as much of late. Not because our opinion of you know what teams should spend has changed, but their spending has increased, and they've gone from often under Terry Ryan right. being twenty second, twenty fourth, you know, bottom third. To now being average, and that may seem like a small thing. And like I said, you can always spend more, especially in baseball. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It would be great if teams spent more. But why – the thing I try to come back to on the payroll arguments where people aren't necessarily all that logical on it, which is why would the Minnesota Twins, given – the market size and the ballpark and the revenue and, and the TV market, all the new TV contract, everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Why would they be higher than average? And kind of tied to that, if you're a person who thinks the team should just spend more, right? 
Well, that that's true of the other twenty nine teams too, right? And so if the Twins spend should just spend more, sure. Right. Yes. Well, so should the Tigers and the White Sox and sure, the Yankees right. and the Dodgers and everybody. And Diamondbacks. I don't know that your sort of standing <laughs> yes, right. within the 30 is going to necessarily change. No matter how you slice it, the Twins are not a big market. They're much closer to a you know, second or third tier market sure. or a middle tier market. Right. Yeah. And so to me, especially within the American League Central, where, by the way, their payroll was second out of five in the American League Central behind only the White Sox – I think there's a decent chance that they lead the Central in payroll this upcoming season. Payroll is no longer any kind of excuse for a lack of winning. Once you have an average payroll in a division where average puts you near the top in spending because you're with Kansas City and Cleveland and Detroit, the payroll is an excuse anyway. And so you can always push for spending more. But to me, if you're going to spend an average amount in with Minnesota as a market, you're at least kind of doing your due diligence. You're checking the the box. I don't think they deserve a parade thrown for being 17th. Sure. But I just think it's no longer kind of a point of emphasis of a, as a criticism. Would it be great if they were 14th instead of 17th? Yeah. And this year is going to – now, COVID put it to the test because yeah, revenues right. dropped across right. the board. Yep. This year is going to put it to a test in a different way because, as you mentioned, as we've talked about quite a bit over the last few months. But yeah, If you the, want a much deeper dive into sort of the TV situation, yeah. where there was a Patreon episode that we that we did right after speaking, with, them, uh, after speaking with Falvey. Look for the one with Falvey and Baldelli recap yeah. where we kind of dove into that topic but quite a bit. But basically, they have been making $55 million a year from Bally to broadcast their games on Bally right. locally. That contract is up. It's done now. Yes. Um, for it's the over. Twins. Yes. yes. It expired at the end of the season. I mean, maybe it goes through the first of the year. I don't know. But it's f- right. f- effectively over. And that whole situation is just in chaos. Local television market, not just right. in Minnesota, but across baseball. The Diamondbacks and the Padres have already kind of canceled out their contracts and gone under the umbrella right. of MLB. Teams are going to be scrambling as their contracts expire. The, but what it means for the twins for 2024 is you know you're taking 55 million in revenue out of a pool of total revenue that's probably 250 to 300 million roughly so that's i don't know 20% of your overall revenue and they have no i mean they have some idea but you're not going to be able to recoup that even in a best case scenario if they land a new deal someone swoops in tries to give them a five-year it's not going to be for 55 million dollars a year i don't think right and so then the question becomes well how close to it is that is it 40 million a year is it half is it 25 million a year and then from there if you lose half of your television revenue that's going to affect the payroll right and typically it's about 50 percent. so if your pay if your television revenue goes from 55 million to 25 million that's 30 million less you're taking in does that mean the payroll goes down by $15 million, Or can they put together a television package that's at least closer than that so it isn't a big drop-off? The other option is the poll just say, screw it. You know, we just signed a television deal that's half what our last one was. That's unfortunate. We're just going to make up for the lost revenue and just spend the same amount anyway. I certainly, if, if I were asked by them, I don't expect that to happen, but if uh, Joe Pohl had called <laughs> right. me up... Um, I would certainly make the case to them that the kind of marginal spending, you know, 
another $8 million, another $10 million to at least maintain this level of payroll can have outsized benefits that go beyond just the next season. It can be, that will help. It will help you add a center fielder. It will help you add a starter, whatever it is. But I just mean to keep the growth or the morale of the fan base kind of rolling here and not, I think if you at least maintain the payroll, most of the people, if they read a little bit about the television situation or whatever, can at least make sense of that it didn't grow but if you drop it from 158 to 145 it's going to be very easy for right. people to say they finally want a playoff game and now they they roll it back and they do yes. this and so yeah. i would very much tell them to avoid that at all at all costs basically. yeah i think i think i agree with you i think what i would say what i would say is that uh in every team's you know especially mid-level teams right cycle there is a competitive window and the time to invest more than you should is at this point right. of that competitive cycle and i think you've seen it with uh, both the phillies and the rangers where they were like hey you know what we've got a good young core now is the time that you throw an extra 30 million dollars a year in it right. at uh, signing you know uh, bryce harper or and then they did that over and over and over again they sure. continued to do that but the the point is that because you have that young core this is a pretty good time to invest. You know, I will say that you know, we've, as we get to the payroll, one of the things I'll just bring up, the core is going to start getting more expensive too, like sure. in 2025, et cetera. But this is the time of that cycle. And, you know, maybe you maybe you approach it like, listen, we're going to try and keep around the same payroll enough that we feel like we've got a reasonable team. But if an opportunity comes along, you know, similar to like, Correa is a lot more available than we thought he was, right. or uh, alternately, Josh Donaldson is a lot more available than we thought he was. I mean, that's yeah, not a great example, but for that, this one, the market for Sonny Gray, Gray is might, less than we expected right, it to that be, potentially and maybe right. a two or three year deal at a more reasonable price. Something we jump like, back yeah. in there if you see an opportunity there. Right. I would say don't be afraid. You know, to say, I, I, it, certainly, if I was ownership, I would say. Well, if we see an opportunity like that, we need to go get that opportunity. Right. Now, it's this easy to spend to other that. people's money. Exactly I get right. that. Yes. But also, you do hear, not necessarily from the Twins specifically, but from kind of everyone, the opposite of – or the when a team is in the building or rebuilding cycle, part of the cycle, yeah. and it's not a good team. You know, the Rangers were like that. Even the Phillies were like that. The Twins were like that for half a decade or whatever. Um, you always hear, yeah, our payroll is low now. Right. You know, we're only spending eighty million. We used to spend one hundred and thirty-five million or whatever. We're only doing that. But once the winning starts back up and the winning window opens back up, well, then we'll we'll push all this money and more into the middle here. Like right. we'll, right. you know, not that we're literally taking unspent money and putting it for a future sure. year. But what you said, and so you this need is to, the time to invest. Right. You right. actually have to see that come to fruition. Right. I would say. That's and right. so, uh, I don't really have a strong indication of what I think will happen because it's so tricky without knowing what the television situation. Maybe we'll get some news at the winter meetings. Right, something. But uh, maybe not, though. No. Like, they, cer- they certainly wouldn't have... I don't know that they'll have the television stuff figured out by the winter meetings. And that, if, that, <laughs> if, if the revenues are dependent on that, right. you could have your hands and tied for they're not alone in that. I mean, right. there are a handful of teams, and then there are also teams like next offseason, another yeah. handful yep. come up. Uh, okay, so with that as sort of your overall notion of payroll and spending... I would say somewhere between 150 and 160 million seems like a you know a reasonable baseline, you know that's averageish spending which they've been at like I said for five years in a row. So here are the guaranteed contracts that they have on the books for 2024. These are these guys are getting paid no matter what by someone. They could get right. traded, yeah. obviously some of them could be, uh, but these are the the salaries that are on the books. So you have 32 million 
for Correa, plus there's a prorated bonus amount that he gets, but I'm just yeah. going off the, the base yeah. salary. It's essentially 36 overall, but yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, although, well, no, it's like 33 point because you, you spread it over the life of the contract, the bonuses for like the uh, luxury tax. I purpose. thought, okay. Oh, for luxury tax, yeah. Yes. Uh, he's got a $32 million base salary. Byron Buxton has a $15 million base salary. Uh, Christian Vasquez has a $10 million base salary. Pablo Lopez has an $8 million base salary. And by the way, this is the last cheap year of Pablo <laughs> yeah, Lopez. Right. Then his extension. That's one of the reasons things start getting expensive right. in 2020. Kicks in and he right. starts making 21, 22 million a year, something 21 like that. 21 and a half. Yeah. Uh, so you have 8 million for Pablo Lopez, 2.5 million for Chris Paddock, and then 2.3 million for Randy Dobnik, who's <laughs> injured and not, or has been injured and is yeah, not on yeah. the 40 minute. So you add all that up. And that's roughly seventy million. It's sixty nine point eight million dollars, something like that. Let's call it seventy. Uh, but that's actually misleading in that. Well, that's how many is that? Six guys that I list. You got to then have even if that were all you had, right? You got to fill out the roster with minimum salaries right, at that point. Right. So even at, with a seventy million commitment to those guys, six guys or whatever, the actual kind of lowest baseline is about eighty five million because sure. the minimum is I don't know seven hundred and forty thousand I think for this year. Right. So you'd have to fill out the uh, the whole roster with eight hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand dollar contract. Okay, so, so right. then the next not guaranteed but effectively guaranteed given the actual players involved this time. They have two team options. Now, there are certainly a lot of years. I looked back at last year, and they had like five or six team options. The vast majority of them were easy declines. Sure. Miguel Sano, Chris Archer, that type of thing. Well, this year is different. They have two team options to decide on, and both of them are just absolute no-brainers to exercise, pick up, say yes to these options. And which, they're expensive. Yes. Jorge Polanco, $10.5 million. Max Kepler, ten million. Although that's not even no, that's not that really. Expensive, but, no. right, yes, but it's not. A, but it's twenty million dollars left of the remaining room that you had. Correct. Right, yeah. Uh, though both those deals, if you don't exercise at those prices, they each get a one million dollar buyout, right. which actually makes it even easier because right. it's that's only right. a nine million dollar decision, decision on Max right. Kepler, yeah. basically. Uh, Polanco. So this is this will be twenty twenty four will be Kepler's last year under team control. This ten million dollar option is his last year of his entire contract right. he will be just an outright free agent after this year polanco has one more he has this year's upcoming option for 10 and a half right and then a 2025 option at 12 and a half but obviously if you were to decline the 2024 option you're also declining the 2025 option right, so th by decline by exercising the 2024 option which to me is a no-brainer at 10 and a half million uh you know for a above average starting second baseman yeah. You also then keep alive the 2025 option, which could matter to the Twins or could also matter in terms of a trade value. Even if you don't think that you want Polanco or Kepler on the team, it's a no-brainer to exercise right. uh, those options because they're tradable asset. At the, at yes, that, they, at they both have more value than $10 million. Yes. And, it, and if you're worried that they don't, well, then just make sure you do the trade before you actually have to pick up the option. Well, that's true. <laughs> right? No, I mean, they, they do. And I... I and and they and that option, by the way, has to be picked up uh, the same time that free agency starts. Yes, so within five days of the end of the World Series, last out of the World Series. So that's twenty point five million. That well, not guaranteed. It's essentially guaranteed. Right. Now, again, you can trade. It's, those it's guys. no brainer. No brainer. Guaranteed yes. versus no brainer. So now you're at to, right. roughly ninety million uh, in guaranteed salaries, effectively guaranteed yeah. salaries. Okay, then 
you get to the arbitration eligible players, which are players who have completed why well, three, but can be two and change seasons of uh, service time in the majors. You make the minimum salary initially, and then you get to a point, let's just for the sake of simplicity, call it three years. It can be like two years, 2.9 years or whatever. Um, you then get which, built in raises. Which is actually important this year. They've got a couple. But it's irrelevant yeah, yeah, right, for yeah. team control. It right, just means exactly, more money. Right, yeah. uh, it's, the arbitration system is set up for, you know, guys are young. They make the minimum salary. If they prove worth keeping past two or three years, then there's built in raises. You know, you jump from 700,000 to 2 million. And then the next year, you might jump to 6 million and then to 10 million, that sort of thing. Well, they got a bunch of arbitration eligible guys. That's do. true every offseason, basically. They have. To me, four no-brainer, like you said, guys, which is Willie Castro at three point two million. These are, by the way, these projections are from MLB Trade Rumors, which has a uh, every year they put out the arbitration projections based on the you know mathematical system that they have, which generally you know big picture is pretty accurate. It's the best thing we got to try to figure yeah. out what these are. You know, it can vary by five hundred thousand or a million or something like that. But uh, Willie Castro three point two million. Caleb Thielbar, three million. Ryan Jeffers, two point three million. Alex Kirilov, one point seven million. Yep. I think all four of those will be easy decisions for the Twins to keep those players they at would those be prices. Foolish not to do it. Um, so that's roughly ten million right there. So now you're at a hundred million if you keep those four guys. Then I would call these the borderline decisions. There's three in my mind, arbitration-wise, which is Kyle Farmer at six point six million, Jorge Alcala at a million, and Nick Gordon at a million. And yeah. obviously, you know, the minimum salary is almost a million anyway. It's seven hundred forty thousand. So when I say Alcala or Nick Gordon are borderline, it's not because they're going to cost three hundred thousand dollars more than the minimum. That's irrelevant, right. basically. It's a rounding error. Uh, but the question with them is. Will they be kept? Period. Forty man roster. Do right. the Twins right. want to continue? You know, commitment uh, commitment to them, or will they just be dropped from the forty man roster? If you're if you are going to stick with one or both of them, the the million dollar price tag is irrelevant. It does not scare you off at all. Yeah. But um, and the Farmer is a much different situation. The Twins would love to keep Farmer, but six and a six point six million, six and a half million, is a lot for a you know a utility infielder who's right. you know you probably want to give. 300 at-bats a year to, something like that, 250, 300 at-bats. You know, he's 33, I think. He made a little over $5 million this past season. And so what's this the is, difference? This isn't a huge raise, no, right? right? But but last year when they traded for him, there's a possibility he would still be the starting. He would be right. the starting shortstop, right? Yes. I think his kind of importance to the roster at the moment they acquired him was much higher than it would be now because right. you have Correa in the mix now. You have Royce Lewis at third base. You got plenty of other infielders, you know, in the majors or soon to be in the majors. You know, he does fill a role. He's a guy who hits lefties. He can play everywhere in the infield. He's certainly well liked in the clubhouse. I don't think six and a half million is an outrageous salary for the role he would likely fill but if the monetary issues that we just discussed from revenue and payroll are a factor that is a very easy way to cut you know six million dollars right right there is to just replace him with you know a lower salaried veteran maybe making a million or two or replace him with a young player or try to bring him back at a smaller salary whatever it is i would go as far as saying i think 
I think one way or the other, that six point six million dollars isn't on the Twins roster next year. Yeah, on, on, again, I don't know. Counting it's tricky. I, I really genuinely they, do think they would like him back on and off the field, but you're limited with what you can do in arbitration. You can't give a guy like a true, you know, demotion for salary. Right, exactly. So. Yeah. You, I mean, you could cut him loose and try to bring him back. Well, when, the moment when, you cut I, him loose, I, he can go I, negotiate. I, my point is, I think they'll try and trade him to somebody oh. before uh, the actual arbitration yeah, deadline. I think that is, I think, I think it'll be similar to what we saw with Gio Urshela last year. What they will do is they will shop, or, or maybe even Eddie Rosario the year before. Yeah, but he's not going to have his, I mean, who's going to want Kyle Farmer at 6.6 if the Twins don't want him at so, 6.6? Somebody who's got a, Looking for the same thing the Twins were last year. Somebody who's looking for a, f- yeah, a floor-setting role for, the, for shortstop. And he played 10 games at shortstop this year. Yeah, but it's not like he can't play shortstop. They just saw it the year before. Well, well yeah, but... I mean, he's playing behind Carlos Correa. It's not his fault he wasn't playing shortstop. Their, their plan was to play him at shortstop. But, John, how many 34-year-old shortstops are there? Each year at the age Kyle Farmer is... Yeah. You lose a real high percentage of your ability to play shortstop in the majors, just big picture. And the fact that he didn't play shortstop hardly at all this year is not his fault. Sure. Because right. Correa yep. had to be. But he was coming off two years as the Reds' primary shortstop. Well, now he's 33, and he really hasn't been a primary shortstop now for a year because he didn't even finish two years ago as the Reds' primary shortstop. I, I just, I would have a very hard time picturing a team that both is willing to spend six and a half million dollars. On Kyle Farmer. On a one-year... Sh- sh- right. Because okay. any bad or rebuilding team isn't going to do that, right? Because why spend the money? And any contending team, I don't think, is going to view him as a viable everyday shortstop. No, I mean, I the agree. Reds... I, I agree with you on the latter half of that. I'm not right. sure I agree with you on the former half of that. So, you know, if you were to pick up, keep those three guys, that adds another, what, $8 million or something like that. So then you're at like 110 something like that. Then the, the, no, the easy no's... They've already made the decision. They dropped both guys from the 40-man roster, which was Jordan Luplo, who was projected at $1.6 million. He's already been dropped. And Jose De Leon, who was projected at 700000 basically the minimum right. salary. Yes. And he's already been dropped, too. So really the only decisions that they have arbitration-wise are do you want to keep Farmer as sort of a premium backup? Right. And then are you just keeping, period, Nick Gordon and or Jorge Alcala? Right. But even then, you're not really a fat. With those two, it's not like you're impacting the payroll in any real way. Because no. either way, they're going to be replaced by somebody. It's just a, right. whether or not exactly. it's a minimum salary person. That's so it's a different right. combined of like half a million dollars. Yes. Right. So, and again, you have to fill in the blanks with minimum salaries, all that stuff. So essentially, you know, it can vary $8 million or so depending on those three guys. But the actual kind of, as it stands now, baseline payroll is like $110 million, roughly. Uh, you know, you add Farmer, go ahead and add right. $6 million to that. Um, if they're willing to spend at the level they did this year, which is $155, $160 million, right. you got, I don't know, $45, $50 million to spend. Right. But if you're dropping payroll to $140 million, well, then all of a sudden you got $25, $30 million to spend. That's a lot different because, and we'll talk about free agents here in a second, you do have some significant free agents leaving, Sonny Gray being the most significant, but right. also Ken Maeda. I think Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Tyler Malley, that's going to be hard to replace him. <laughs> Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, right. You'll never replace him in Ted Schwarzler's heart, <laughs> no matter the price. Uh, so, but I guess 
in in theory, saying, oh, they got 40 or 50 million to spend, that sounds like a lot of money. And, you know, it is a lot of money. But if you need to sign a Sonny Gray equivalent, well, that's like half that money probably. Right. Uh, or trade for a Sonny Gray equivalent or a third of that money, let's say. And if you need to sign a center fielder, that's, you know, eight to ten million dollars yep. there. Probably it, it goes quick. And yes, right. even if you're just gonna re-sign guys like Donovan Solano, I mean it, it starts to eat into that. I think last offseason when we kind of set this same table, there was much more possibility, in part because of the Korea situation looming over everything, but there was much more possibility of being like, all right, they could they could throw around a little money here. Like they could actually target some high end guys right. and they ended up doing that. They yes, gave Carlos they Correa two hundred million. I don't really see that happening necessarily this this offseason. They they could, but that would mean, you know, potentially short suiting themselves in center field or right. something like that. And the one thing we know about this organization is they care at least as much about the floor as they do about the ceiling. Yeah. I think right? that's probably right. You know. Now you can the the Kirla thing. You know the fact that they th- think they're going to have a healthy Kirilov at first base also, you know, changes my perception of things a little bit more than it was a week and a half ago. Yeah, although what's a healthy Kirilov? When's, <laughs> when has that been? You know what I mean? Well, how fair. It's like a skinny Aaron Gleeman. It existed <laughs> at one point, but people have seen it. It's like the Loch Ness monster. Um, but so now within that. You can create payroll space, and I don't. I I really these are self-imposed limitations. I need to be very clear about that. Uh, But again, we're trying to kind of be realistic with their recent spending. You know, if you were to trade Christian Vasquez, right, or Polanco, Kepler, Kepler, that sort of thing. I mean, you can very easily clear ten, twenty, twenty-five million. In addition to the forty or fifty million that you kind of already have, if you were to do that, then yeah, you would have the ability to go sign someone at twenty something million dollars a year, or go make a trade for a guy making significant money, even maybe two guys. But that also creates holes that you have to fill. I mean, trading Kepler means well, who's your right fielder, right? Or who's your left fielder? Volner's right. your right fielder. That's trading right. Polanco means well, who's your starting second baseman on opening? All that stuff. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I don't think they're in a a bad spot. They're not. They're, well, look. If the television situation is just worst case scenario and it's going to affect the payroll, they are going to be in a bad spot. But if that plays out, I think most teams are going to be in a bad spot. I think if they're at least willing to spend similarly to last year or this past season, they've got some room. They're in a decent spot. I at least they're they have enough spending room that the money shouldn't affect their decisions. In other words, they don't. They can. Keep or cut Kyle Farmer and not have to say, we just don't have the money for Kyle Farmer. We have to right. cut Kyle well, Farmer. Sure. You can at least make I mean, logical decisions yeah. under that umbrella of the spending. I mean, it looks like they've got you know, $40, $45 million to spend if they kind of keep it at a similar level. Right. Of, and that's not even including if they actually say, you know what? We could actually just go up a cost of living wage here. At the which is generally what happens. Which is generally like, yeah, if they were spent, if they spent $155 million last year, we'd be saying they should probably be spending about $170 million last year, next year. And that would take, we right. take a look at it and go, Jesus, we got a lot of money to actually spend right. here. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think so well. either. I mean, when we get to, we, this is probably a good time for a programming note. Uh, you know, 
you also want to have something to spend that money on, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so we're going to be doing a deep dive into probably free agent pitchers and free agent hitters uh, as Patreon episodes, probably yes. within the next two weeks. I should just give us this is a good time to do a programming note. We will not have a new f- uh, free podcast coming out next Friday. We're going to be doing it probably a week and a half from now. Our availability to do free podcasts, my availability to do free podcasts, yeah. basically, John's jet in setting. November is going to be really tricky. So you're going to get about one every, a couple of a free podcasts about every week and a half or two weeks throughout November. So we're going to have to yeah. skip a couple because but I'm if you want more shows, running around. subscribe yes. to the Patreon, p a t r e o n patreon dot com slash Cleveland. We'll be doing a one episode upcoming, looking at all the starting pitching free agents right. and who we think. Is at the top of the list who the twins could target all that and then we'll do a second one similar to that on hitters right you know who would be the best fit center fielders first yeah. base options that sort of thing and we'll try to cover that at a very high level here but uh the truth is, is that if you really want to get into that and kind of see what's available to spend that yeah. 40 to 50 million dollars on, on patreon get on that patreon yeah you can you can improve our revenue so that our payroll for the 2024 season. That's right. We got expenses, too. You think Bobby Nightingale comes on this show for free? He hates us. We got to pay him millions of dollars That's to exactly come on right. this show. Uh, we do pay. We do pay. I will say this, and this, I, this is partly my doing because I felt strongly about this as someone I did too. who has gone on radio and yep. podcasts for many years for no money. Right. We pay our guests. I challenge anyone to show me an independent podcast that pays their guests more than we pay. Yeah, there isn't one. Sure. I'll guarantee it. Because if there is one, I'm gonna be try, try yeah. to be a guest on it, <laughs> so I can get rich. Anyway, we gotta we we buy our friends. <laughs> that's right. Doe, Betsy, Dan, that's Bobby, right. yes. Phil. They don't that's like right. us. No, that's why would they right. want to spend time exactly with us? Right. Me, yes. so, and maybe each other. <laughs> we we buy our friends. Uh, okay, so that's kind of where we're at in terms of, you know, I would say, think of their kind of starting point. They're at the starting gate of the off season. Right. All the teams pull up to the start line. Um, they're at about 110. Think about that in your head. And if you think they're going to maintain a payroll that they had this past season, right. they got about 50 million to spend. If you think they're going to, if you're really pessimistic and you think it's going to drop by 15 million, then they got about 35 million to spend, 30 million to spend. And within that, you got to do something with the rotation because you're losing two fifths of your rotation. And you got to do something in center field because yeah. you're losing Michael A. Taylor, who was your starting center fielder. Beyond that, there aren't a lot of, and I think this is different than last offseason too. Last offseason, they just had like very clear holes. It was clear they needed to find a second catcher. Right. It was clear they needed to find a shortstop. Short right. And then even within that, there were a couple other areas. And so this time around, starting pitcher, they just need somebody who's as good as Gray or near that right. level, something like that in my mind, or even Maeda. And they need somebody to go play center field, depending on what happens with right. Byron Buxton. Beyond that, you could kind of roll this whole thing back if you wanted to. And I don't even mean you'd have to re-sign everybody. I just right. mean you could fill in the blanks yeah. with a you young player. Not trade away guys. Right. <laughs> right. And, and kind yeah. of roll it back. And that's also potentially an interesting position. Part of me thinks, well, it could be an easy offseason then. Yes. You just re-sign Kent Maeda or you sign a different veteran starter. You re-sign Michael Taylor or you go get, I don't know, Harrison Bader or somebody right. like that, Kevin Kiermeyer to play center field on a short-term deal. And then you just sit on your hands yeah, for three I, I months. Uh, it is one of the – I don't know how much we talked about this in the Favi Levine when we're sort of like previewing some of that. I'm going to be interested to see 
how aggressive this off how aggressive the front office is this offseason because you're right what they could do is say listen we're getting it's not kicked out of us on this TV revenue thing we know we've got a bunch of raises that we're giving out next year because not only do we got Lopez right. and Paddock making more we've got a bunch of guys hitting arbitration next year both Ober and Joe Ryan are going to hit arbitration next year this is the year we need to you know, be keep our powder dry, so to speak. You know what I mean? We're going to roll right. out a $130 million payroll. We're going to, uh, you know, react to the TV revenues thing. We're just going to get ourselves a center fielder, maybe fill in a couple of other small gaps for some depth, and then call it a day, right? They could do that. That's certainly that, and, yeah. and, and, and that's not a totally unreasonable stance. No, but to it take. hasn't really been their MO necessarily. But this, this, yeah, this ownership group, not ownership group, this front office, has for the last few years been big game hunters, right? In a, in a lot, of, they've been. I mean, certainly that, relative to the last forty well, years of the twins. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the Correa thing was one. Now, right. obviously, that they lucked out on a lot of things for that to happen, right? right. But the, but Josh Donaldson Correa was another twice, example, right? Josh Donaldson once trading trading for Pablo Lopez right. with Luis Arise. I mean, that's an example. I mean, trading for Mally, trading for Sonny Gray. Right. You can you can argue the the intelligence of some of these moves sure. or how they turned out good or bad right. in the moment or in retrospect. Absolutely. But one thing they generally Signing haven't Boston. done. Right. And you know, it's a mixed bag for sure. Right. I mean, just from yeah, the ones right. we just mentioned, yeah, it's right, about, right. 50, yeah, 50, 50, about 50, 50, right. Yeah. And so I'm not phrasing this as like praise necessarily, right. but they very rarely just kind of gone. Yeah, we're fine. We're right. fine as is. It's fine. Yeah. Like, let's just sit here. The mentality seems to be, Let's get better. Let's get better. Right. Let's get better. And and if that means taking a risk on a big trade or on a right. big uh, signing, yeah, th- there are certainly levels to which they are comfortable or uncomfortable. Sure. They, they have not offered a seven or eight or ten nine or ten year deal. We talked about that the offseason with Falvey last year. Well, and they haven't really spent on free agent pitching at all. Right. Like they exactly got right. Pablo Lopez and right. extended him, but that wasn't free agency. Exactly but right. yeah, they haven't, I don't want to call it, I don't know, complacency is probably the wrong word, but very rarely, and I think it stems in part from their tolerance for risk is just much higher than Terry Ryan's was yes. in general. They, I mean, I think they view risk as like a positive thing, right. yeah, right. partly, where Terry right. Ryan right. was definitely afraid of it. And... I think like one of the like foremost characteristics of this regime like as individuals but certainly collectively is they want to turn over every stone. Right. You know what I mean? They want to kick every tire. They want to look behind door number 3 and door number 4 and door number 500. And if you do that enough, you are going to come across, you know, if you do that enough versus saying we're kind of set here. Like we don't really have any holes. Why make calls and why try to see who's available and why, you know, do this and do that. Why feel offers on building block guys that we like, like Luis or let's say, right. but they're so willing and place so much value on kind of figuring out what all the options truly are. Trade market, free agency, you know, all this stuff. Like, could we sign this guy and move this guy to the bullpen? Could we sign this guy and move this guy to another position? What would be like, could we just have this guy as a high end backup? Like, they're trying to uncover. I get when I, when I go to the grocery store with Becky, she hates going to the grocery store with me (laughs) because I walk up and down every aisle of the grocery store every time I go. It takes me five hours. Unless, you know, it's like right. I'm grabbing one thing. If we go to the You're grocery, kicking the tires on right, everything. <laughs> I, here's why. 
I want to see new products. Right. I want to see what's on sale. Right. I want to see, maybe I just spot something that I've never seen before and I go, right. man, that looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, mostly it's the chip aisle that I'm spending my time in. You but. go shopping in the grocery store the way she goes shopping for clothes. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's probably shoes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and I think right. Falvey and this regime take that approach, which is they're walking up and down every aisle, not because they're going to go nuts and fill their whole cart. But they in the, they don't know in the second to last aisle of the grocery store right. maybe there's some end cap right uh, that something's half off and you go well that's good it's cheap yeah why not or maybe there's something yeah. that's a brand new product that you've never seen before it's like uh, Oreo's got you know French toast flavoring now yeah. or whatever it's like let's get that and as a result uh, we the second week of January are going crazy because they're not spending the well, money that we true, think yeah. that they they should they're be still having on right the eighth aisle right. there's four more to go <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah no, that's she right. refuses to go to the grocery store with me anymore that's right and so that I think lends itself to expecting not blockbuster moves although they have had plenty of those the last three or four right. off seasons but more movement than i guess like this current state of the roster would necessitate yeah. and that could mean trading someone like polanco or coupler it could mean you know signing or trading for a gray replacement that we just kind of don't see coming it could mean trading a young player that people currently perceive as a building block and they just think there's good value and so they are going up and down the aisles they are kicking all the tires and so i think well it's possible that we laid out that they could just kind of go you know what resign michael taylor bring back uh kenta maeda to be a third starter yeah add a piece or two as depth you know a new kyle farmer a new donovan solano or those guys themselves and let's just go out and do this again i just it seems unlike them not because they're against the idea of kind of status quo, but just they're too curious to do that. They're yeah. too they're too wanting to push the margins, and they want to see all the new products. They well, want to see everything that's also, available to also them. So you can't spend, you know, the first the two weeks of the postseason, and then the week after the postseason, talking about how awesome it was being there, and how important right. it was, and how it means something to the franchise. And, you know, preaching that to the fan base and hoping that they're going to be signing up for some uh, season tickets and all this other stuff. And then stuff. say, oh, we, we're going to do nothing yeah, for five months. Just, yeah, yeah, I don't think you can do that. Although, no. I guess the argument would be this team finally was different. This team finally broke through. Why do we want to change anything? Yeah, maybe. But, but that's not how sports work. If, you, if you're staying yeah. – in, if you're – if you're staying status quo, you're likely getting passed. Right. And yeah. I don't mean like Cleveland's passing them, but right. yes. the idea of let's just roll back this exact same roster. I mean, you see this all the time, like a Super Bowl winning team or something will be like, oh, we got the same. We have no big losses. And then they lose three more games than they did the right. year before right. or whatever. So right. I think that'll that's kind of how I view it, which is you could go with the status quo this offseason – Tinker around the margins, try to replace Gray and or Maeda, find a new short-term center fielder, and just kind of say, well, we'll be favored to win the division. We'll have depth. We can make in-season moves. You could always trade Jorge Polanco mid-season if Brooks Lee is ready or whatever like that. But I just, I'm, I think they're too, they're too curious to do that. At least that's my hope because not that I think rolling it back would be bad. Right, but it's not as interesting. It's, for a, us. I mean, it's, it's also, it's also, you know, you've got a good base like that. Do you just want to stay on there, or do you want to build on right. on that base? This feels like an opportunity. It you can view it two ways. You can view it as a, you know, a, a nice, safe thing to do, or you can view it as we've got this opportunity right. now. Like, I know, think we, it almost, it almost, we just, we just laid out. They've got some real money now. 
they might not have the free agents, the free agent market no, that we but, were hoping for to do it. But but I think it almost lends itself to being more creative. Yes. Because it's like we can go out there and try to make a few nutty things happen or just off the radar, right. outside the box things happen. If they if it doesn't happen, we can just sit with what we have and we're fine. But, yeah, I don't know. I, w- I would expect some moves. So before we talk about the free agents and some Rule 5 stuff and just finish up and then we'll play a, a clip from the Bobby Nightingale interview too. Right. Let's talk about our last couple sponsors here. Speaking of big decisions, you might have made the big decision. I am ready to talk to a therapist about something. Anything, right? Uh, so uh, let's talk yeah, quickly about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is a, a way to make therapy, to get rid of the obstacles that get in the way of therapy once you've decided you want therapy. Yes. <laughs> right? If you're not comfortable going to see somebody in person. You don't know or, who to talk to? Right. Or <laughs> you can set up within 48 or 72 hours with a real licensed therapist a video call. If right. you say, I don't want to be on video, you can do a phone call. If you say, right. I don't even want to be on the phone, you can chat with them as a right. live chat and just type to them. They can kind of tailor it to whatever your needs are. It removes the barriers for entry to getting some help or getting some therapy, which I think is important. All you have to do is just you just fill out a real brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists too. Like if it doesn't work yeah. anytime, you don't, you don't feel like uh, – this isn't clicking. This isn't working. Maybe you try something new. That's easy to do with BetterHelp. It says, make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. <laughs> Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman today and you will get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman. Twin uh, Wolves season just started. Uh, we got the first home game coming this Saturday night. And if you're looking for tickets... Uh, and you've also, by the way, Wilds just started up the other day. Got the snot kicked out of him by the Flyers, unfortunately. I'm going to hear about that snot for a long kicking, time. I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, you can get Game Time is the app. Yeah. Their specialty is hard to find tickets, not just right. for sporting events, yeah. but like concerts and shows and stuff. And last minute. Yeah, it's not It's not a website. It's an app. It's you an app on your phone. You download the app. And what you'll find out there is, yeah, you get lots of different tickets out there. You'll get tickets for uh, sporting events. We've been talking for six months about Twins tickets. But yes. the truth is, they've got them for Wolves. And they've got them for Wild. And they've got them for Vikings. And they've got them for Gophers. And the beauty is, you can kind of do your shopping as you're, like, as, as last minute as you want, <laughs> yes. you can be walking to Target yeah. Center yeah. and just go, oh, there's some cheap tickets here exactly in the section, right. whatever. And by the time you get to the door, yeah. you got it on your phone. You just show them. You go right in. John has done that to many a Twins game. That's right. All the concerts, too. Like, uh, So all you need to do is, again, you got it's an app, not a, not a, uh, not a website. Time so is you, the name of it. Yeah. So you download the Game Time app. Then you create an account. And when you use the code Gleeman, you're going to get 20 bucks off your first purchase to kind of try it out. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Gleeman, G-L-E-E-M-A-N, as in, I don't know, probably you can just see it on the graphic on our, our podcast that yeah. you're listening to right now, sure. and you'll get $20 off. Not a hard name to spend. Download the game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, I've never, uh, I don't love my last name, but it's an easy one to spell. <laughs> Not a huge fan of it. It's a weird. It's a name. lot easier to spell than bonus. Yeah, <laughs> not it changed it at Ellis Island or wherever you guys got into the country originally. Yeah. Just go with bonus, like B O N U S. That'd have been better. Um, or bones. That'd have been better. Sure. So they call you on the morning show anyway. Johnny. They bones. call Johnny Bones. Johnny Boons. Yeah. Boons. Bony. Yeah. Yeah. I've got. A, I've had a lot of nicknames in my life. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and also people we've known for 15 years call you Bonus, bonus all the time. You're right. It's always funny to me. I know. Uh, okay, so to finish up on this, you know, we've kind of laid out the, the different types of commitments they can make before the offseason begins. They also have, we well, mentioned most of them, but just to go over it more completely, a decent sized gr- group of free agents. So Sonny Gray is the headliner, obviously. Right. Yep. Also on the pitching side, you have Kent Maeda. Yep. You have Emilio Pagan. Yep. You have Dallas Keiko, and then we mentioned Tyler Maui, who's going to be rehabbing from uh, from surgery for most of the most of the season. On the hitting side, Michael A. Taylor, who was their starting center fielder, Donovan Solano, who was you know played a much bigger role than he was certainly brought in to play sure. and did a pretty good job, I would say. Yep. And then Joey Gallo, who we just joked about, but uh, of that group. You know, I would say under the right circumstances, they should be or would be interested in certainly Gray coming back. Sure. Kenta Maeda, probably. Emilio Pagan, perhaps. Michael A. Taylor, perhaps. And Donovan Solano, perhaps. I don't think Joey Gallo will be back. <laughs> probably you didn't have to not. laugh that hard probably at not. it. Uh, I don't think Tyler Maui will be back. And no. even if you were back, it wouldn't be a 2024 factor anyway. Right. And I don't think Dallas I, 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 will be I back. did give some thought to whether or not they would consider giving Maui a Pineda kind of deal. No, I, I just can't believe they would they do will. that. So if you have, what did I just say, five guys that you might be interested in bringing back under the right circumstances. For Gray, I feel like we've discussed this endlessly, except every time we do a mailbag for the podcast or I do one for the athletic, those are always the questions. Yeah. They will make the qualifying offer to Sonny Gray, which will be in about, I don't know, two, three weeks or whatever. The qualifying offer is effectively a one-year, $20 million contract that he can accept or decline. He will decline it because he can just do much better than a right. one-year, $20 million contract as a free agent. Yep. At the point at which he declines it, then he's just a straight-up free agent. The Twins are free to negotiate with him as they would any other free agent, but they have no more kind of advantage other than any team that signs him that isn't the Twins will have to lose a draft pick, like effectively a second-round draft pick, to sign him, which does drag down his market value a little bit. Yep. And if he does sign elsewhere, the Twins will get what is effectively a late first-round draft pick as compensation. So that factors into even their view of it, which is – Let's say Sonny Gray's market is a little bit down from what you would expect right. or what he would expect. And let's say he's available, I don't know, on a three-year, $60 million deal, which to me would be a bargain given some of the contracts guys like Chris Bassett have gotten in recent years. But for the Twins, yes, would you want Sonny Gray back three years, $60 million? I would certainly say if you want him back, you'd want him back at that price because that's yeah. on the low end. Except you're not going to get a first-round pick, which carries a value of about $5 million. Sure. So that's part of it. I think that we're going to see I, – I would not expect him back. I, would, I don't. I think they're open to it and they're interested in it, but I just don't see them – I mean, we just mentioned they've just – the most they've ever spent – on free agent pitcher, the most this regime has ever spent on a free agent pitcher is twenty million. Right. Yeah. Total, not per year. Total. I, th- I think they are. Well, so, I, I, listen, I think they t- like Sonny Gray a lot, but I think they also have other guys out there that they right. Like I mean, a lot, he's right. That they're he's intrigued. Thirty three. Kind of similar to what we just talked about. It feels like that's the difference between staying on your base and trying something a little more creative. And this group tends to want to try stuff and yeah, be I mean, a little more put creative. Put it this way: if Sonny Gray weren't leaving the twins 
if he were just Sonny Gray, and right. he, let's say he had spent the last two years with the Reds, had the exact same performance, yeah. would we be sitting here saying, I bet the Twins try to sign him for three years, $75 million. Yeah. Well, no. We yeah. would never expect the Twins no. to pay $75 million over three years or even $65 million right. over three years to a 33-year-old starting pitcher who's thrown you know, more than 150 innings once in the last six years or whatever. Right. Sonny Gray's a really good pitcher. They would love to. First of all, they would love it if he accepted the qualifying offer. Sure. Because then that's a one-year, $20 million deal. You get to bring him back, and you don't have to make a long-term commitment. But he's never going to accept that. And so then it just becomes a question of what is his market? You know, what are they willing to commit on a you know a two-year deal would be a lot different than a three-year deal. I kind of think there's some possibility he gets a three-year plus an option or a three-year plus a vesting option type right. of thing. I think a straight-up four-year deal, given some of the, the revenue issues teams are facing, seems kind of unlikely, but it only takes one. Right. I mean, he's a 33-year-old all-star. He's certainly one of the three or four best pitchers on the free agent market. We'll have, I mean, we'll have some actual rankings probably right. next week on the Patreon, but I just, I think it's unlikely, not because of Sonny Gray, just because, not because they don't want him back or he doesn't want to be back, just because they don't, they've never spent what it would take to get Sonny Gray back is not a level they've ever spent on right. free agent pitching this regime. Now, Kent Maeda, much different. Yep, I if agree. If you want Kent Maeda back, you're not going to, I was right. He's not going to get the qualifying offer. Right, yeah. People were so mad at me during the middle of the season or even late in the season when I was like, he's not getting the qualifying offer. Yeah, I mean, one of those things where if he would continue to pitch like he had all the way through, you know, in July and August well, right, into but, September, but that was... But the things that make him unlikely to get the qualifying offer also sure, make that unlikely, which yeah, is he's right. 35. Yeah, I mean, he's that was coming back from unlikely, surgery. Right, yes. He's 35. He pitched very well after the like April and May injured list stint. Yep. A lot of strikeouts. He's not someone who's ever lived on velocity, so the fact that he was like 91 miles an hour with his fastball doesn't scare me that much. You know, is he a guy you want to commit multiple years to at this point? No. But if he were available at a one-year, I don't know, $12 million deal yeah. or one year in an option or even two years, $20 million or something like that, this is what I'm, I think yeah. that's a much more realistic possibility than Sonny Gray. I haven't gone through the you know free agent pitchers and sort of ranked them right now and kind of said, like, here's where they're all going to fall down. But that strikes me as about the right range, right? One year, $12 million. One year, maybe, maybe one year, 14 Something like that, yeah. Uh, and maybe, you know... Maybe two years, 20, maybe two years, 22, 24. I mean, we'll see. It depends. I, I also just think there's even – it's not the – it's not a great free agent pitching class relative right. to like the last three or four. Right. It's it's relatively deep though in like mid-rotation starters, which is right. where I would put Maeda yeah. at age 35. Right. Yeah. And so, yes, I know Twins fans are fond of Maeda and the Twins are fond of Maeda too. But sure. I think the way they tend to view these things – is they would have him in a bucket or in a group right. with three or four other guys that they also view as kind of aging yep. mid-rotation guys. And if he has a market that's going to get two years, $25 million, they'll just move on to the next yeah, guy. And so if, if they view themselves already having sort of a floor set. Right. Which they have five star. I mean, if they had right. to, they could go with right. Louis Varlin as that's the right. fifth starter. The, the, Chris Paddock is going to effectively replace one of Gray and Maeda. Yeah. And right. what we've seen from this group is that once they feel they've got that floor set, they don't feel the need necessarily to shop in the mid-range. Right. They, they tend to shop on the higher range, which is why I'm, you know, again, that kind of comes down to the earlier conversation. Do they just roll, roll it back with, 
you know, let's bring back Maeda for uh, twelve or thirteen million dollars. Right. And I mean, I think that would make sense. Taylor and because under we, that we scenario, we we're, we're done. Your starting rotation, like opening day starting rotation, would be Pablo Lopez. You know, and then in some order, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, Kenta Maeda. Right. I'm not saying that is a championship caliber starting rotation. It's it's less good than this year's starting rotation because right. Sonny Gray yes. is better than all those other guys. Uh, but that pushes Louis Varlin likely to either trip away or the bullpen to begin the <laughs> yep. season. We talked a lot about that on the last couple of Patreons, the bullpen possibility for him, if you're curious about that. Uh, I think that more fits their approach. And then with Maeda, I don't know that you can count on him at age 36 making it through 30 starts or whatever, right, except right. the goal there would be get the value – early in the season, and then if he does fade or gets hurt or whatever, you have Louis Varlin then ready to step in, or you have David Festa in the second half ready to step in, a prospect, a young guy, something like that. Uh, On the hitting side, I guess I'll include Pagan in this too. Pagan was really good this year. However, he very rarely got anything resembling a high leverage situation. I mean, they were clearly handling him – you know, with in a way that kind of protected or, or shielded him from true downside. Now, within that, he pitched really well. Is he a guy that, given how well he pitched and the durability he showed, which they really value a lot, he's always available. Right. Like, you know, I think he led the bullpen in innings, 70 innings or something like that. Yep. Is he a guy, if he wants to take a one-year, I don't know, $6 million deal or something like that to return, would they be into that? Maybe. Although they just have spent such little right. money on pitch on free agent relievers over the years, even like last season, we were like, it was mind boggling. They were like, they're doing nothing with the bullpen at all. Right. Yes. Uh, and even two years ago, Joe Smith was their big pickup for the bullpen. Right. And so I, that's kind of why I view that as unlikely, not necessarily because of anything Pagan did. I, or I didn't would, do. I would just put the over under on how much they're going to spend on bullpen at four million dollars. Right. I just <laughs> right. Especially maybe maybe four and a half. Especially given the <laughs> payroll situation, it's the easiest right. spot to not spend money. Right. Basically, then that leaves Taylor and Solano, and here's kind of how I view this. Both of those guys did a really nice job. Yes. They're well-respected veteran guys. Taylor's 32 and Solano's 35 or something like that, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, they both were brought in as depth and ended up serving much bigger roles than expected and did just fine and at times thrived in those roles. I think yeah. Solano had like the third most plate appearances on the team. Taylor ended up starting 110 games in center field. They were both really good. But for whatever reason – and so – Neither of those guys are going to get big long-term offers as no, free agents. Of course. There's no reason maybe Taylor could get a two-year offer, but I would kind of expect both those guys to get one-year offers as free agents. I mean, unless – I mean – You never know. But I mean, it, yeah, I view him much the same way as Farmer. You know, it, it's yeah. sort of like he's – you know, he's he's somebody who's – you know, except he's actually played a lot of center field this year. It's he a showed little trickier though do because it, but. they traded for Taylor. Right. At the second year of a two-year contract, right. so we don't know really what his free agent market would have been. Whereas yeah, but we, we but know we, with Solano, Solano was unsigned into spring training right. last year and then took a two million dollar deal from the Twins. It's fair, but we also know they didn't give up hardly anything for Taylor at four and a half million dollars sure. for one year. But so there wasn't people, ba- and he was available all offseason. Right. So theoretically, you could again just say, you know, Taylor made five million. Give him one year, eight million dollar deal to come back as your center fielder. Give Solano a one year, three and a half million dollar deal to uh, fill the same right. platoon role with Kirilov at first base. I would have no problem with that, like in as a bigger picture idea or individually with those two guys. 
But for whatever reason, the Twins have just very rarely done that with their kind of one-year fines. Sure. Like, I go back to, like, most Matt of, Whistler. Most, of, most even. of them haven't worked out as well as uh, Taylor No, and, but even, like, did. the Tyler Clippers of the world and the Matt Whistlers of the world, and I think about some of the other – I mean, they've had some one-year stopgap guys that have that have worked okay. And for the most part, they don't seem to get, like, kind of – overly attached to the specific player right. what they try to do is let's find the next michael taylor let's find the next donovan solano right. and if the next michael taylor ends up being michael taylor right. that's fine but i don't think they place more emphasis on retaining what you have i think they just view them they view taylor as the x you know the number four best right. center fielder if we right. if we need to yeah. sign him we can sign him they're but. fairly fungible with other right. options as well such as you know Kiermaier or some of the right. other guys who might be available where you're like oh, you know also if uh, you know Michael Taylor playing as much as he did and having as much success as he did is based on the fact that they gave him 130 starts out there and because as a result of that he's available and somebody on the market wants to sign him for seven and a half million dollars well maybe they've they move on to the guy who doesn't right. have that exactly. for four and a half million dollars yes i think right. that's about right yeah so i guess i wouldn't expect i mean i will say this about pretty much every free agent every year if you don't expect them to return, you're more likely to be right. Yeah, of course, than that. of course. That's just how free agency works. And everyone likes to talk about the duckies and bunnies and say we loved it here. Right. We love this guy. But when the and they do. But <laughs> when you can negotiate with thirty teams, right? The one team that you just came for from, eighteen players, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right? Doesn't right, yeah. have that big of a leg up. And I think that to me. You know, out of all these free agents, would I expect at least one to return? Yeah. But individually, yeah. I would not bet 50% even on any of them, including right. like Maeda or including right. I agree. Taylor or Solano. Rank them in terms of likelihood to come back. Oh. Taylor's number one. Well, so we just do the five that we think they'd yeah, be interested right. in, basically. Uh, yeah, I guess Taylor would probably be number one. I would say maybe Maeda number two. Pagan number three, Solano number four, Sonny Gray number five. Now there's a lot of different reasons for right. those. That's right. Like part yeah. of it is I don't think they've I, I think they feel like Donovan Solano's thirty six and he was good, but right. that's a role that you can fill pretty easily. Right. Whereas with Sonny Gray, it's they'd love to have him, but he's gonna be more expensive. Would you than give that. any of them other than Taylor mm -hmm. even a twenty percent chance of coming back? A 20% chance, yes, but not a 50% chance of coming well, back. Well, yeah, but, but it, who would you give a 20% chance? I think Maeda's got a decent chance of coming back. But I mean, again, 20% is high. That implies... Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying if it. If five teams are interested <laughs> in them, you're one of five teams, basically. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, I just think in general... I don't think I'd give any of them other than Taylor 20% chance. I, yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. Even at 20%, if there's five or six of them, you might expect one out of right. the five or six to come right. back, yeah. basically. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that's where they're at with free agents. I think, to me, the the biggest single question of the entire offseason, and it relates to Gray and Maeda, but bigger picture is, how are they going to approach losing both those guys and then just the rotation in general? Because like we said, you could just say, we're going to go with Louis Varlin in the fifth spot. We're going to go with Chris Paddock, rehabbed, and he's ready to go in the fourth spot. Certainly, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, and Bailey Ober, they feel pretty comfortable yep. with in three of the spots. Yes, you're down Sonny Gray, but if Chris Paddock can kind of do something close to replacing Sonny Gray, which yep. is going to be a, a big challenge, and then Louis Varlin can kind of step in for Kenta Maeda, it's a drop-off, but also it's a 
the entire rotation would make what twelve million dollars or something right. like that at that point. So I think that's a route they could take. But to me, I, I don't give after seeing the extent to which the rotation carried them all season and carried them in the playoffs and just was the the foundation of this team, the success of this team. I feel like if you're not going to re-sign Gray, you need to either find someone who's as good or better than yeah, Maeda. I agree. To at least bring back. I agree. And ideally, you'd find someone who's as good or better than Gray, but I think that's going to be above their, their price point. But I agree. I, I think the number one need is a top of the – not a tippy top of the rotation. Starter. A playoff caliber yeah, starting always, pitcher, right? That's a pretty good way to, to do it, it. right? Uh, a number two pitcher or better, I was going to yeah. say. Someone that you're going, right. ooh, we're, we're, we're in okay shape here to yeah. start a playoff. That's and, right. by the way, as we saw, that you're going to trust to make an actual start yeah. in the playoffs, which number, was... Number two, I'd put at center field, and yes. then after that, I'd put... Depth I don't stuff. know. Yeah. yeah. Platoon first we'll baseman. Right. Different backup the, infield. The Kirloff news gave me a little, a little like I probably would have put Solano at a better than twenty percent chance before I heard the Kirloff. Yeah, news. although even right. if you have a healthy Kirloff, you're going to need a Solano type yeah, potentially to platoon with potentially. Uh, okay, and then the last thing before we uh, send you off with some Bobby Nightingale chat is uh, Rule Five Draft, which the deadline. I just wrote about this this morning, so I guess I can just quote my own. Uh, I can plagiarize myself here. Uh, the deadline to protect players. From the Rule 5 draft is November 14th, so that's about two weeks from now. The actual Rule 5 draft itself will be Wednesday, December 6th, which is part of the winter meetings. I will be there I'm among the more excited sorry, people. Repeat, re, repeat the arbitration one. What's the date? No, it wasn't arbitration. Just, okay, I'm sorry. Rule 5. Okay, Rule 5. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, November 14th. Okay. Two weeks. Two and a half weeks from now, basically. And the way it works is every year, prospects either with four or five professional seasons, depending if they were drafted out of high school right, or, yeah, or right. signed out of high school or college, college right. um, become, they kind of age into being eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And the entire purpose of the Rule 5 draft basically is to stop teams from hoarding minor league talent. Like in the old days, the right. very old days, like if you were a shortstop in the Baltimore Orioles system, right. And there was no Rule 5 draft, and they didn't want to trade you. You just spent your life at AAA watching Cal Ripken above you on the depth chart. The idea basically is if you don't, if, if, you're, if your team doesn't want to give you an opportunity after four or five years, the door is at least open for another team to grab you and give you an opportunity. Right. And we've seen that happen for the Twins. We've seen that happen against the Twins, obviously. And so this year, it's not a huge group of, of guys. I would say there's only really two no-brainers plus maybe two or three guys that I would probably add, which we'll go through here in a second. But the other thing I'll say is you can't – if you add a guy to the 40-man roster, which is how you protect someone from the Rule 5 draft, a prospect, you can't just remove them from the 40-man roster right. after the Rule 5 right. draft. You literally can't. Yes. Like there's a it's against timeline the rules. I think, right. until spring training starts yeah. or whatever. It might even be end of the year. But then also – uh, end of the year would be no in, in, into the year. Oh, uh, yeah. But then also, you can't just remove guys from the forty-man roster anyway. 
under any circumstances. The only way to remove someone from the 40-man roster is expose them to waivers or right. trade them. Right. And so if you were to add a prospect right now to protect them from the Rule 5 draft, and then the Rule 5 draft passed, and then you thought, well, now I'll just take them off the 40-man roster. Well, now they're just on waivers. Right. They're more susceptible to being claimed off waivers than they are to being drafted right. in the Rule 5 because the other thing to remember with the Rule 5 draft is anybody selected in the Rule 5 draft costs $100,000 for a team to select a player. That player then must remain on the that selecting team's active. Which is a bargain, by the way. Yeah, yeah. 100000 right. It's right. It doubled, though. It used to be 50000 Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that player must remain on that team's active Major League roster for the entire season or be offered back to their original team for 50000 And we've seen that quite a bit. I mean, the majority of players selected in just a random Rule 5 draft do not stick with the team that selects them. I mean, only a handful right. of yes. guys typically make it through right. the entire year. Right. Some of them just were picked as kind of flyers. We'll evaluate sure. them in spring training. They didn't they really offer them, fit. They offer them back midway through spring training. Right. right, yeah. Sometimes teams work out a deal where they just keep them and you send them some compensation or whatever. A lot of times, because this is early offseason, you might take a catcher yeah. or a reliever and think – well, this guy can be on the roster if we just do nothing this offseason, but then you end up signing a catcher, and then you don't need the guy you drafted. And so, There's also just been a lot fewer Rule 5 guys taken in the drafts. Uh, uh, last year, there was a lot. I mean, they? they canceled the year before because of well, I the guess lockout. Right. I guess, well, maybe that's why you had a carry over there. The COVID year, where the Twins actually lost Akil Badu <laughs> and Tyler Wells, <laughs> yeah, right. was true. tricky because there hadn't been a minor league season. Right. So how are you even evaluating guys right. at that point? Uh, okay, so with all of those, uh, I don't know, caveats, the two no-brainers that the Twins have to add that I'm 100% confident you'll see added to the 40-man roster over the next two weeks, one is Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's a, a 20-year-old outfielder who played this year at high A, right. probably, I'm assuming, will begin next year at double A. Uh, he is been a top prospect since the moment they signed yeah. him as a 16 year old they gave him two and a half million when he was 16 um he i would say now has established himself as a consensus top 100 global prospect and i would put him a very strong cemented number three yep. in the twins farm system Same and thing. he's certainly good enough that he could be a number one for a lot of teams and a lot of past years for the twins he would just be the number one prospect yep. but they have walker jenkins and brooks lee so he's number three although i wouldn't be surprised if some people maybe rank him a little ahead of or equal to brooks lee um but that's an easy addition to the to the 40-man roster if you did not protect emmanuel rodriguez not only would be he be the number one pick in the rule five draft Teams would be fighting over themselves to trade for the number <laughs> right, one pick yes, in the right. Rule 5 draft to get him. Um, to a lesser extent, but also a no-brainer, is Austin Martin, who was the headline prospect in the 2021 deal for Jose Barrios, had a down 2022, and then missed basically the first half of last year with an elbow injury that he had during spring training. Yeah. Uh, they feared that he might need Tommy John surgery. He was able to rehab it, and then he returned. He joined the lineup at AAA like in – late June, early July, kind of shook off some rust for a few weeks. And then his last, I got the numbers here, his last 44 games, so a third of a season basically for the Saints, hit 300, 29 walks in 44 games, 15 steals in 44 games, 428 on base percentage, That's 473 crazy. slugging percentage. Yeah. I think he had like five or six homers, decent decent number of doubles. Uh, his stock has definitely dropped. 
I mean, he was the number five pick in the 2020 draft. Sure. Or the, yeah, I think 2020 draft. Out of Vanderbilt, he was a great college player. He he they his stock teams, dropped in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two and, right, and, and the, the injury, first half of twenty twenty three right. But he he really played pretty well, and I will say even beyond the good numbers, talking to some people who scouted him with St. Paul, and even some people who just right. played or coached with him in St. Paul, he was impressive. And well, the five or six home runs in forty four forty four yeah, games is crazy. I mean, for him. the hope <laughs> with him coming out of college was he had good bat to ball skills, he controlled the strike zone, he's a good athlete, speed. People were hoping that he'd become, you know, 15, 20 homer type of guy. Right. I don't think that's likely, but – and they tried to kind of revamp his swing and that right. played into the down 2022 and all that. Yeah. But he he's not, you know, Luis Arise right. from a power standpoint. Right. And, I mean, Luis Arise is a better player than Austin Martin probably will ever sure. be. So that's right. not a criticism. Yeah. But I do think he's a guy who could be a 10 homer guy and hit some doubles right. and triples. Like He might have enough power to make pitchers pitch to him. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably right. Or, or be careful when they pitch to him. But, yes, if he were left off the 49 roster, he would, again, be the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft. He's a caliber of prospect that is never uh, right. left to be picked in the Rule 5 draft. So he'll be added. And, in fact, like I think there's a decent chance, kind of going back to the Michael Taylor discussion and the center field discussion for agency and all that, that I don't think he would be the opening day center fielder unless they just whiff on what they would actually like to do yes. uh, in center field. But I think part of the equation for re-signing Taylor or going after a, a similar short-term veteran to Taylor. trying to trade for a true right. number one. Is like, right. well, if we think Austin Martin might just be ready to be the center fielder in June, right? How, what do we really – aren't we just kind of keeping that warm for him? Yeah, right. And that's maybe a little bit of a leap, but I think he can handle it from a speed standpoint and a range standpoint. He's also played shortstop and second base, but I think that's probably his, his best bet. So those are the two no-brainers. And then just to run through, I would say there are three – I personally would add them to the 40-man roster because okay. I'm not interested in losing these guys for nothing. But I think it's more of a coin flip from the Twins' perspective. Uh, one is Deshaun Kersey, hmm. who had a kind of a breakthrough year, late blooming, has always been a speed and defense guy, and then this year hit almost 300, stole 40 bases, hit 15 homers this year after totaling right. 14 homers for his entire career at this point. Uh, finished the year at AAA. Did a pretty good job there. Was really good at double-A for two-thirds of the season. He's a, he's a legit center fielder. Again, I don't know that he's going to be for opening day, but there's if it's not Austin Martin in center field mid-season right. or late season, it could certainly be Deshaun Kersey. He's a left-hand hitter. You could platoon him and Martin and use the other guy as a backup outfielder. Martin can be a super utility guy. Infielder, too. I just he has a skill set that is very easily targeted in Rule Five drafts, which is a fourth outfielder right, profile. Yeah. He can play every place. Which yeah. he's a good defender. He can run a little bit. He's shown some offensive upside. He's probably major league ready because he finished the year at at Triple and he's also twenty five years old. Uh, so I think you know would that be a huge loss? Would that affect the Twins' long term planning if you lost to Sean Kersey? No, but is I do he, think is he a little redundant with Stevenson? Well, they don't have Stevenson anymore. They cut Stevenson. Oh, okay. You should listen to the podcast that we've been recording <laughs> for the last time. They cut Stevenson. Uh, we, first of all, I, we talked about this. Luplo and Stevenson were dropped from the 40-man. Oh, I missed that. Okay, got it. All right. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> we need like a, um, like pardon the interruption, a scroll, <laughs> a scroll of the scroll topics that, that we've talked in. about. All right. But yes, he's a Stevenson type, but okay, yes. four years younger uh, and yeah. has maybe more upside or something like that. Uh, Junior Severino is another guy yeah. who... 
led the minor, all of minor league baseball, tied for the lead with 35 home runs. That's the most homers by a Twins prospect since Miguel Sano 10 years ago. Um, he is sort of a Miguel Sano type offensively, which is a lot of power. He's a switch hitter, so that's different. But a lot of power from both sides of the plate. Draw some walks, a lot of swing and miss. Um, you know, he's an all or nothing slugger. He's a guy who was signed for like two million um, as a teenager. Never really became a top top prospect, but has kind of grown into much more power than was expected. Within that, though, he's moved down the defensive spectrum. He was a second baseman. Now he's a third baseman. I would say most likely he's a first baseman DH type of guy. He's a bat mostly. Right. I think he would be picked if you were to leave him unprotected. A guy who just hit 35 homers and finished the year at AAA, switch hitter, can play multiple positions, all that stuff. It was once a pretty highly regarded prospect. But I will say he's been left unprotected yes. twice already yes. and not picked. Right. And he hasn't been coming off quite this good of a season this was his best season, and he reached AAA, so that's different. But, I mean, he was left unprotected coming off good seasons at AA or high A, AA right. and was unpicked just because the player profile is not often in that much demand. Kind of a you know low-average, high-power first-base switch hitter isn't that amazing. But I personally would protect him, and I think he could potentially fill the role of platooning with Kirloff at first base at some point or even replace Kirloff at first base if Kirloff is injured again. I just think a switch hitter with 35 homer power who's performed pretty well in the minors, why are you losing that guy for free? Right. But they've taken that risk before, and he hasn't been chosen. So, And then the last guy that I would say is someone I would personally protect is J.R. Camargo, yeah. who's a catcher and had a really nice season at AAA. You look at his overall numbers, 503 slugging percentage, 21 homers in 90 games, throughout 25% of steal attempts, good arm. Uh, gets pretty good reviews for like pitch calling and framing and all that stuff. Um, he definitely looks like a backup catcher. He's yes. a, like I like to say he's built like a fire hydrant. Yeah. Uh, if you look, the overall numbers were good. He had a horrible April. Like he hit like 080 in okay. April. If you look at his numbers after uh, April, he hit 288 with a 569 slugging percentage. 20 homers in 74 games. Yeah. And that's like a 40 homer yeah. pace. Now, I will give the caveat that the International League, which the Saints are in, was very high offense. And the Saints, especially, CHS plays as a real hitter friendly park, park huh. especially for power. And like the team OPS was like eight something this year. So, like, right. his was more above average than great, but also above average for a good defensive catcher at AAA certainly suggests he's capable of being a backup. And we talked about Vasquez. If they were to try to move off of Vasquez's contract, he could certainly be timeshare with Ryan Jeffers uh, if you felt that moving off of Vasquez's contract. Also, just I don't. it doesn't hurt you to have right. a third catcher. Yes. Like, I know they only used two catchers this year, but that is very right. much not the norm. Yes. You generally want a third catcher somewhere on the 40-man roster. Right. And I'm <laughs> right. not – like, yeah, right. my view on the Rule 5 is – Will you feel silly losing this guy for nothing? Not so much. I think Jared Camargo's got some big future in the majors, and he's gonna. You're gonna. You know, he's gonna be on on Cooperstown stage someday, and you're gonna be regretting that you lost him. But just if this guy were available for nothing, right. you would gladly add him. And right. why not just protect him with a forty man roster? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my. Group. And then just very quickly, a few other names to consider: a couple of utility type of guys who did well at Double A and Triple A, Anthony Prado and Michael Hellman. 
who I think yeah. are, would be very easy rule five yeah, targets. Yeah, we kind of wondered if Hellman might get a call up yes, a couple of times. He was hurt a lot. Year, yeah. uh, and then two low minors, single A guys, one of which Ricardo Olivar had a really nice season at low A, 21 years old. He's a pretty good prospect. It's just jumping from low A to the majors right. as a bat first guy. You just very rarely see teams right. willing to take that. And then Jose Salas, who is an infield prospect they got in the Arise oh, yeah, right. uh, Pablo Lopez trade, right. who they talked up as like a borderline top 100 prospect at the time, had a horrendous horrible, season horrible year. at high A, yeah. hit like 190. Yeah. And is there going to be one of the other 29 teams – you're going to need one of them to still think highly of him after right. a horrible season and also think he's worth keeping in the majors after struggling at high A right. for a whole season. Now, yeah. it's not impossible, sure, but that's kind of the risk I mean, anything's possible given some of how much some of these teams are tanking these days. Yes. Right? Like you've got a couple of teams. I mean, if someone just, just right. thinks he's a legit prospect and you're a terrible major league team, right. who cares? You right. just stick him in the majors, but, you work with him behind the scenes. high A doesn't necessarily scream legit prospect. Right, right. Exactly. So those – like. Anybody beyond that that they were to lose, let's say, in the Rule 5, there's some other players, you know, that I think could have roles in the majors. But I, those are the those are all the names that I would be like, ooh, that's a shame they lost that guy. Yeah. Uh, so that's where they're at with the Rule 5. Uh, I think uh, of the second-tier guys that you were talking about, I think Camargo's a lock. I don't think Severino is going to get a lock to be added to the formula. To be added. Yeah. I, don't think about, I don't think Severino will be. Here's the thing about Severino about and Camargo, by the way. They are both technically minor league free, free agents. agents. Yeah. Right. Now, last yeah. year, Camargo was also a minor league free agent. Right. Which, after six years in the minors, you just—it's sort of like major league free agency. You just become a free agent right. if you're not on the forty-man roster. Last year, where Camargo had like an okay year at, at Double A, they just re-signed him to a standard minor league contract, and he didn't right. get picked in the Rule right. Five draft. That's right. Yeah. They could just sign him. To re-sign him to another standard minor, minor league, league contract, contract and say, hey, we'd yeah. like to stash but, you at AAA again. But there's a decent chance somebody else would also be willing to sign him to a minor league or contract. Right? Yeah. if you sign a guy to a minor league contract and you do it between now and the Rule 5 draft, right. that player is then eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And there oh, is a little bit of, a, I think, a gentleman's agreement that like, hey, we just signed this guy to a minor league contract. Don't take him in the Rule 5 draft. But there's nothing prohibiting right. that. And it's the same thing with Severino, who is yeah. also technically a minor league free agent. Right. So I would say if you feel strongly enough that you want those guys back in the organization, I would put them on the 40-man roster to protect them from being taken. Or you could also yeah. just do this if you really want to play fast and loose with it. Let them become minor league free agents. Essentially tell them, we'll give you a, a, a nice little bonus here to come back on a minor league contract, but let's wait until – after the Rule 5 draft yeah, I suppose. to do that. But again, that's a lot of work to just yeah. avoid putting I mean, a guy in the 40 Well, not to mention, like, why are they granting us any favors when they've got you well, know, their you gotta, minor league free I mean, agent? You, you have to pay right, them more. That's right, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. I, if I'm Camargo, I could think, you know, I'm stuck behind uh, a up-and-coming guy who's entering his first year of arbitration right. and a guy who's got two more years of $10 million on his contract. Maybe I just go to another organization that's got a, right. a backup that I can replace midway through the year. Yes. And to me, like... Plus, they plus they both stayed healthy. <laughs> they had good, I mean, they had good years. <laughs> I mean, uh, Camaro's going to be like, what's the matter with this guy? I mean, I do think both right. of those guys would be would be picked, probably. I know we talk a lot about the, like, the value of 40-man roster spots... And they are valuable. And you don't want to go overboard and protect just to protect. Right. 
like some of the guys like Hellman or whatever, like it's definitely a decision that you have to make because you can't undo those. You right. have to stick That's with right. that. And so later in the off season, if you're at 37 spots and you want to sign three guys, you're just going to run into – you're going to have to drop talent from your 40-man right. roster to do that. So you don't want to just protect everyone. Like You do want to make some tough calls. But I would say, yeah, those those five guys are guys I would protect. Okay, so to finish the show, yes, uh, we're going to leave you with – Let's th- thank our sponsors here because okay. we're, we're, uh, we're Game Time and BetterHelp and um, uh, Chomps. <laughs> and odds are he looked they, at me like I'm have. a monkey. I have to make a song. Dance for me. That's, That's right. Uh, we're going to now leave you with a little chunk of the, I don't know, 90 minute uh, yeah. show we did with Bobby Nightingale of the Star Tribune, uh, which you can get in the Patreon archive. In its if, entirety. Yeah. If you subscribe to the Patreon, you get the entire archive free. Yeah, including like the last three shows were Bobby Nightingale, a mailbag where we did a lot of talk about a lot of different topics, yeah. and then before that was the Fall V Baldelli breakdown. Right. So the three, Q&A three good episodes to start with. So here's just a little taste of the conversation we had with Bobby Nightingale. I, this is something I'm fascinated with is like the differences in what type of access they get, sort of how they're treated by media relations, kind of how yeah. the GM works right. in terms of like Fall V talks probably more than most and like what are the day-to-day compared to detroit as well like you've been through all this stuff so how different are the cultures i'd say cincinnati and minnesota are similar team wise like in terms of like how the manager treats the media gm treats the media both were really available both really helpful in terms of they just want you to get it right um and they'll answer your questions um i would say minneapolis is a more competitive market in terms of there's more media like tv stations actually go to things right. and um it's a two newspaper town i mean the reds weren't good when i the last few years well i guess they were a hundred loss team my last year there but I, they think got baseball better but would be bigger in cincinnati than i mean is who rules what, what sport rules in cincinnati the nfl like every place else now no? now now it's the nfl just because the Bengals, joe burrow well i suppose but before then it was definitely definitely reds um yeah. until until burrow turned them around but it, i would say the reds do a really good job in terms of They'll film stuff on their own and give it to all the media outlets. Like post game, the PR director will record it on his phone and put it online, and they can all download it online. You don't have to come For to the stadium. And such or yeah, and then okay. so then it makes it onto the Which news. So, it's sort of what teams did like in the 2020. COVID right. Yeah. Exactly. Like That's where it started. Zoom stuff. Okay. So it's just, but basically, a lot of TV stations were like instead of. Going down there at ten o'clock, close to you know our newscast, uh, we'll just kind of rip the video from gotcha. what the PR staff gives us, and so it was kind of like <laughs> you only had like traveling beat. We only had three writers. It was me, you know, for the Enquirer, the Athletic, and MLB dot com. Those were the only traveling writers. I think here it's five. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, with I, Pioneer Press and if I ever get off my ass and go somewhere, <laughs> we're there in the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, it was huge. It, here's here's how my mind works. I was like watching Game Four at Target Field, thinking, "Well, I'd like the Twins to win, but I don't want to go back on the on the road <laughs> even for one game." I was like, ah, "Part of me is like, yeah, because well, and so the three tra- like it was you for the Inquirer, C. Trent Rosencrantz, who's our Yep. who was at the Inquirer right. for a long time mm-hmm. and is now the Athletics uh, Reds writer. And then Mark Sheldon, who people listening to this may remember, was the Twins MLB.com yeah. writer. For, right. I mean, the original. Like 15 yeah. years right. ago. Yeah. Yeah. More than that, maybe. Right. Was he the original one? I think yeah, so, yeah. Probably. I'd forgotten that's where he went. Yeah. yeah. He said Garden Hire would give him like 
Call him .com because he didn't understand. Like, uh, <laughs> why would you write for a website? That's, a, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. So even that had a little Minnesota that's connection. Funny. That's interesting. I don't know if C Trent spent any time in Minnesota, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like yeah, and also like the, the manager. I guess not the whole time, but was David Bell. That was, yeah, for and so most he's of my years. Yeah, a young former player. I feel like worked in a variety of roles, kind of similar to Baldelli, just right? In terms yeah. of like how he would maybe approach pregame and media in general did seem like yeah i would say yeah i'd say they're really similar in terms of both personality both laid back a lot of the times um pretty engaging when you want him to be in terms of talking um about players he's he's i'd say david bell the difference is he's a lot more positive in terms of like even during the 100 last season he he, he never ripped any players whereas baldelli sometimes if he feels like he needs to i think he Maybe maybe he won't say it outright, but he at least do it subtly. That's an interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because that, I think I a think lot of Twins fans perception is the opposite. Who right. don't have the they have the Twins only right. blinders on, which right. I don't mean as a criticism, but this is something we talk about a lot. Yeah, just in all things, if you only pay attention to the Twins, we talked about it last year about the quick hooks for starters. Yeah, and then this year people kept saying, "Well, they still have quick hooks," and it's like, "Well, they led the league or second in innings." It's like if you only pay attention to the Twins, I think that's a good example. Which is, I think the perception of Baldelli is. He never rips anybody, never throws anybody under the bus. And he doesn't really. Right. But relative to someone who tries to make things – like there's at least – we joke about this sometimes. There's like Rocco speak yeah, where right. you hear something and he's not explicitly throwing anybody under the bus. I mean he's never done that basically on the record at least. But he'll say something or answer a question in a non-answer type of way where you can infer, or if you've done a million of his press conferences, you go, oh, well, that's as close as he's going to come. Right. Yeah. He's not a big fan this of this guy screwed right. up yes, or right. that guy screwed right. up, which I think people see that. And he's been criticized for like being too, too even keeled, which is a very funny thing to criticize someone for in general. But right. not, rip- but then there are definitely examples where. I mean, unless you're just like a super veteran manager, it's going to be hard to kind of get your footing as a longtime guy ripping players, like actually ripping players. Well, and, I remember like Ali Mormal. I don't, I don't know how much play it got here, but like the beginning of the year, he ripped Tyler O'Neill, one of his outfielders, for not hustling on a ball. The Cardinals manager, yeah, right, yeah, and it was it was like a big thing in St. Louis. Like he totally threw him not threw him under the bus, but called him out yeah. for not hustling. Um, and then Tyler O'Neill afterwards was like, I was hustling. Like, I don't, I don't understand right. what he was complaining about. And so it became like a big story, but it was almost like, I remember in Cincinnati when I was there, it was like David Bell would never touch that. Right. Like, even if he felt that way, he would never say that publicly, um, you know, rip a player that way. Whereas I feel like Rocco, if you felt that way, I mean, I remember in the playoffs, like Kirloff, um, whatever game that was, game three, yeah, Sonny Gray base. start, yeah, where he missed the play at first base. He at least mentioned it. I mean, yeah, he'll so say stuff like that's a play that needs to be made, yeah, which need, is like, that's not right. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, Kirloff right. said worse about himself, sure, like, Kirloff yes, was right. very hard yes, on himself, right. I would say, afterward, but yeah, I guess and he was playing through an injury, and I mean, right, that, uh, he knew that when he was talking, but I mean, it was one of those. I, I think Rocco hints at a lot more stuff that way than right. David Bell would. Um, that's and, interesting, especially during a hundred loss season. I mean, we saw a right. lot of terrible baseball. And, and he never, I mean, he was kind of relentlessly positive, which was kind of, that's what Cincinnati Reds fans kind of ripped him for, was kind of like, we want, you know, everyone wants that TV manager right. who's going right. to yell and throw things against the wall. Yeah. Um, but I remember Mike Bell, he, former uh, Twins bench coach, yeah. he was like, he gets a, he just leads the league injections. Like, right, how does yes. he not throw energy? But um, it's one of those, like, I, I feel like there's a difference between when you're talking to the media versus what's going on behind closed doors for managers. Right. And I feel like too many fans just judge on 
what's said to the media when it's like there's a lot more to yes. that job that you, you're not going to see. This is we talk about this with yes. Baldelli constantly because people generally see he doesn't do like radio and every. I mean, he talks to Provis before the game and everything, but he, it's not like he calls in the K fan or anything right. like that. And so generally, ninety percent of what a fan is getting from Baldelli to form their opinion of him is. You know, just the little shots of him in the dugout and all that, but the or the pre- post game on Bally Sports, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's extremely buttoned up in that situation. Like he'll rarely say anything. It's all just sort of even keeled, which is fine, and he'll give a decent quote once in a while. But one of the things we always joked about is, especially last year when things were going poorly for the <laughs> Twins and people were, you know, fire Rocco and all that stuff, is like if people could only see, I think I kept saying like ten percent of the actual personality, and I'm not saying he's like a you know, uh, insult comic or anything like that. But like, he's yeah, a guy who will drop an f bomb. He's got strong opinions on stuff. And well, we also talked about how he's you know behind the scenes. You get the sense he's much more competitive. He is yes. quote unquote a masshole. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know like he's yeah. got, like a, got that northeast kind of right. I'm going to stick it to you. Kind of I'm going to win this game no matter what that sort of thing. And it's yes. you, you don't get a sense of that. He's at all. I in think he's stuff, intentionally. Kind of new to the presentation. Although yeah. I will say, last year after the Whit Merrifield play where he got ejected, right. I felt like from that point forward, that was the angriest I had ever seen him in a post game. Like he swore and then walked out, basically, <laughs> yeah. which is, I had never seen from him. And then I would say, like in the weeks and months after that, a he got ejected several more times, yeah. which was interesting. And then he was just a little more willing to kind of let it flow. Yeah. Like his actual personality, and then I think this year built on that a little bit. Not that he like went nuts in any post game stuff, but I think there was a little bit more. He did have the one post game in uh, Atlanta where they got swept in Atlanta, and right. then he closed the clubhouse. And right, I mean, he ripped the offense pretty good. I mean, during that one, yeah, right. where that was kind of yes. like eye opening. Right. Like, oh, he's that's as mad as you're going to see a manager, post, <laughs> you know, during the middle of a season. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it is. It, that's why it's valuable. Like. You know, if you're just a Twins fan, there's no reason for you to know how the Cincinnati Reds manager is. But I do think that's why it's right. valuable to have some context to this stuff. Is like you think, and also bigger picture, like you said, everybody, every fan of every team thinks they want this, you know, fiery, quotable right. guy who screams well, I mean, after I mean, losses. I mean, and I mean all Bobby that. grew up here with Garden Hire. Yeah, but right? I mean, Garden Hire had yeah, a little right? bit of a folksy. He did. He had some of that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, I, he, but he also had like I am going to rip the young guy a little yes. bit kind of thing. I mean, Kelly too. had a lot of that especially yeah, right. late in yeah. Tom Kelly. I mean, he just hated young yeah, like, a little cantankerous kind of, right. yeah, right. But I think in practice, like you mentioned the Cardinal situation, people want that except then when it happens to a player they like or it happens in a situation where the right. player's like, well, actually, I was hustling or something. Then people turn on the manager very quickly. So I totally get why managers in 2023, given the media responsibilities and all that, would kind of neuter themselves in that situation right. and present sort of a, I don't know, political type of comment, sure. like, quote. Well, I mean, the thing about managing is you've got to manage. <laughs> like, you, you, well, know, right. you know, I mean, it's a... It's an ongoing process. There's gonna, it's, it might be gratifying in that moment to let fly what you is right. in your heart and so on. And there's, there's advantages to being candid when you have to be candid. But there's also, you know, you just have to continue working with this player for ne- right. another five, six years because they're going to be around for five, six years because you don't have to pay them. A, a, they're not a free agent for five or six years. And you might not be. You, you, don't, you don't have five, six years of necessary of uh, job manager, security. Yeah. Right, like – yeah, although and also like a guy like Leland or whatever, you, you need to build up a sort of sure. I don't know, established right 
cred, of I course. guess, to the point that that, like you mentioned, Gardenhire, I think, had this by the sure. end, which they had terrible seasons his last three or right. four years yes. or five years here. And like the criticism of young players at that point seemed kind of strange because the team was so terrible, but he had built up enough cred where it was like cute when he did it a right. little bit. Yes, right. Whereas, you know, David Bell, first couple years on the job, Rock about, like yeah. people yeah. Would be like, well, who's this guy? Think he is? I think there's some of that. I don't know. How about well, I will say, like in Cincy, there were like I do remember a point where can't remember what year it was. I mean, one of the years the Reds didn't make the playoffs. And I remember reading like on Twitter, people would be like, God, we wish we had a Rocco Baldelli as our manager. <laughs> like, I wish they would have hired him. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was one of those. And like, I'm right. sure in Minnesota, it's always like, fire Rock. And yeah, I see exactly, it here, right. but then I'm yeah. sure, you know, in Minnesota or somewhere else, they're like, oh, we wish we had David Bell. And I, I feel like it's every city has that. So let me ask you about that. You've talked a, lot, a little bit about, you know, the differences between the Twins and the Reds in terms of like their managers, how they respond, their general managers, their availability, maybe a little bit about the culture within the actual organization. How about the social media oh, culture God. surrounding? Them? That's a good question. Are they are yeah. they that different, or are they very are they somewhat the same? Is there like is your reaction to you're active in on Twitter and social media? You know, which not every journalist we can say no. I'm, we follow is. I'm annoyed that he is because he's, <laughs> he's good. <laughs> yeah, so right. I was like, well, there's a little right. slice of my pie. That and I you're can. so you're certainly getting mentions and replies and that sort of thing. What? How does Minnesota? Social media, or twins surround twins. Social media correspond with like red social media. Is it similar? Is it different? Is it more negative? Is it more positive? Is it more uh, more sabermetric? Now, he more, joined midway through more emotional a like, division title winning season. Although you joined right at the low, like right when they were getting <laughs> to the low point of that season. So, yeah. yeah, I would say that it is completely different. I think like Cincinnati, especially coming off the year they had last year, where they lost a hundred. This year they got really close to the playoffs. Cleveland.